Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold horror to progressive standards it never agreed to. I'm your host, Jeremy Whitley. Wait, 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 wait. I'm Jeremy Whitley. Sorry, I was reading your lines. Go ahead, take it away. I'm your host, Jeremy Whitley, and tonight I have gathered a whole coven of progressively horrified hosts and guests to talk about 90s fashion, elemental signs, and loudly correct each other on the finer points of Wicca and grunge. That's right. It's time to talk about the craft. Light as a feather, stiff as a board. Light, Light as a feather, feather stiff as a board. We're witches. Ooh. Nailed it. First up, uh, you've already heard her voice impersonating me, editor, educator, and my better half, Alicia Whitley. Uh, what element are you representing and what 90s fashion accessory have you brought for an offering? Well, I am representing the element of fire, and my favorite 90s fashion accessory is body glitter. Nice. Uh, next, we have horror enthusiast and photographer extraordinaire, Ali Mullen. What element are you wrapping in and what 90s fashion accessory are you rocking? I am a Capricorn sun, Taurus rising, Virgo moon, so I am repping Earth. And I am rocking some blue velvet platforms. Double suede? All velvet. <laughs> and then was... Like disco lemonade? <laughs> <laughs> next up, psychology professor, psychologist, and comic psychology consultant, Chris Carey, what's your element in 90s fashion item? Uh, my element is definitely ghost type. I think I'm getting this right. <laughs> and <laughs> Damn it, you stole the Pokemon joke I was going to make. Fuck, I, I knew it. I got so excited when I get introduced first because I was like, ha! Shit, Spirit I'm glad is I'm... technically an element. I'm glad I'm last now. I have time to th- I hope I have time to think of another intro element joke. <laughs> And obviously, because of the age I was in the 90s, my fashion accessory is a Tamagotchi. Next up, comics writer Ben Khan. What element are you rocking and what 90s fashion accessory did you coincidentally already have on? I am representing the element of beryllium. And <laughs> I am going to be a very cliche trans femme and bring out a 90s choker. I Ooh. knew it! I, I knew it. I could have written choker in here. <laughs> I love it! <laughs> Now, comics and fine artists, as well as noted goth, Emily Martin, what's your element to 90s fashion accessory? Even though I'm a Virgo, Leo Sun, or excuse me, Leo Moon, uh, Sagittarius Rising, I would go with water. And uh, um, I am bringing my entire collection of Nine Inch Nails band tees, only a few of which I will sacrifice to men all. All right. And Jeremy Whitley, what is your 90s fashion accessory? Well, no doubt, I am wearing my Jinko jeans. No, no doubt wasn't on the soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, uh, I'm wearing my Jinko jeans. I have my wallet on a chain. And uh, I am an Aries, which means I'm a fire sign. And I've already had enough of this talk. So let's get to talking about the craft. Uh, the craft. Guys, I am looking at the soundtrack. And I feel like the soundtrack's an appropriate place to start. Because holy shit, the 90s of this soundtrack. <laughs> What's oh. in the soundtrack? My Our God. Lady Peace, Sponge, Letters to Cleo, Jewels, Love, Love, Elastica, fucking Space Hog, Portishead. Portishead. I don't even remember what Jewel song was in the movie. Under the Water. Oh, 
Don't remember it. All right. <laughs> so before like, we get started. Water, it's probably something like that. That's probably how it goes. That's, That's under the boardwalk. You just sing under the no. boardwalk? <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> Are you trying to go for Shakira? Like, underneath your clothes. No. Like, like you're a Swiss. You got to yodel to be Jewel. <laughs> um. I realize for you on TV. They say they're better than you and you agree. That's my jewel impersonation. Ooh, that was very good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was super good. I love a movie that's so of its time. If you were to go back and try to intentionally make a period piece, you wouldn't nail it as hard as they did like by accident. <laughs> so the thing about this movie is that, and I've seen this in some other movies, is when you watch it with the captions on, it will tell you the name of the band Mm-hmm. that is playing the song because it's that important. So before we get too much into the details here, let's go through uh, the basics. The Craft is directed by Andrew Fleming. It is written by Peter Filardi and Andrew Fleming. This movie stars sort of a murderous row of uh, 20-somethings playing teens. You got Robin Tunney, Faruza mm-hmm. Ball, Tunney. Nev Campbell, Rachel True, Skeet Ulrich, Brecken Meyer. Okay, Brecken Meyer. <laughs> this movie came out a year after Clueless, the casting director definitely just saw Brecken Meyer and Clueless and, and said, like, do that. He had to do, do that, that, but be an asshole about it. Because yeah. in Clueless, yeah. he was a dick. baby angel. Like, he was a sweetheart in Clueless. But it's like, what if, what if this, but an asshole? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mix up scenes from this movie and Clueless constantly because I can't remember which one is which. So there's the scene in Clueless where he's talking about how he understands his father trying to explain yes, that's the, the Rolling Stones and then the French scene like beaucoup delayed like I'm anyway do you know how many times oh I have quoted that teacher to my students where I'm like great point not on topic but great point Emily, I love the idea of you confusing these movies where you're just watching Clueless and going like huh there's a lot less snakes than I remember in this movie so for those of you who don't know which I don't know how many people out there don't know, but the craft is basically about a bunch of witches. Yeah, it's about a, a young woman who moves from San Francisco to Los Angeles, which I guess is a big move from one end of California to the other. I mean, like, distance-wise, it is a long know. way, but... Not an origin story about macaroni and cheese. <laughs> also, sadly, not about the pre-purge craft night, as I hoped. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so uh, yeah, she 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 starts going to a new school and meets three uh, girls who are trying to be witches and aren't doing very well at it. They need a fourth, and uh, they see her, they they see her doing weird magical stuff, and are like, "Hey, come be our fourth. And uh, so they decide to do magic together, and things go better, and then inevitably things go worse. Would you guys say that this movie is spoopy, spooky, terrifying, or existentially disconcerting? Definitely spoopy, unless you, if you have a fear of cockroaches or snakes, this movie will scare the shit out of you. I would say spoopy, unless you were a teenage girl, in which case it's existentially disconcerting. It was, in fact, well, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was existentially disconcerting, but it was, um. A flashback, uh, just a. (laughs) So a lot of the things that happened in this movie, even though they don't make sense narratively, have happened to me in high school in 1996, 1997, so. I don't know if it was because of the craft or if it was just how things were. There were some things that were like intensely relatable in kind of a disconcerting way. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into all that. Um, before, we, before we do, let's uh, talk trigger warnings. What should people be looking out for other than we already said snakes, cockroaches. Uh, there's definitely some domestic abuse. 
Our good old, our good friend on the show, Sexual Assault, makes a, makes a return appearance. Yeah. It's been a while, but here we are. Yeah. Oof, we get too much, too much. All right. Too much. Not, just, not just one instance of it either. Well, this, no. is, this is one of the first times that we get uh, on the show that we've had significant amounts of uh, self-harm and suicide and yes. suicidal ideation in there as well. Yeah. Um, and there's also racism and classism that are plot points in this story. Was anyone just taken aback by how racist, like, I mean, not like the movie itself being racist, by just how racist the racist characters were? Yeah, I, I definitely well, want to talk about that a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like it was, some of that racism seemed a little, a little extra. Yeah. There's a lot about this movie that seems a little extra. Yeah, well, let's, uh, let's pull the lever there for our non-spoilery section. If you haven't seen The Craft or you want to go back and watch it before you listen to the rest of this, uh, this is the point to do it because after this, it's all spoilers. Uh, we will be talking about you while you're gone, but mostly we'll be guessing what your element is. So, you know, take your time. Light as a feather, stiff as a board. Light as a feather, <laughs> stiff as a board. I'm going to admit that I did fall asleep on rewatch, but, but I have seen, seen it. it a lot of how, times. How many times would you say? So many times. So can I just start by saying that in 1996, this movie came out, Romeo and Juliet came out, The Crucible came out, yeah. Buffy the Vampire Slayer came out. Yeah. And these are all very formative pieces of pop culture. Shout out to TJ. For me. Um, TJ, if you're out there listening, I love Buffy. You're not but alone, TJ. This was definitely... Mm-hmm an important movie for my part. This is my first time watching it. My partner was very excited uh, to see it again. So it was definitely that foundational movie. Absolutely. Absolutely. I thought you were going to say this was an important movie in your development. <laughs> which even was, though this was the yeah, first time you watched which is it. The first, this week, this <laughs> week was it was legit, very important. That was yeah. legit my experience with RoboCop. Like I went in, I'm like, <laughs> I have seen RoboCop for the first time at age 22. And it has been my favorite movie since I was six years old now. <laughs> Can I just ask, other than Ben, has everybody, did everybody else see this movie in middle school, high school? I, I just I saw was, it for the first time last year. So okay. yeah. I was in elementary school and I screened it at my 10th birthday party. Nice. I was a That makes me cat feel old, Allie. 10-year-old you was cooler than I will ever be. <laughs> it definitely <laughs> did not make me any friends, but it reaffirms who I am. I showed Pokemon. Not even three very close friends. I showed Pokemon <laughs> episodes on my 10-year-old birthday. If that <laughs> um, trying to make a coven, trying to call the corners. Did not. Okay, that's well my other question. We all like tried to have a coven after watching this movie, right? So like, again, I just right saw now. this last year, so I'm still working on it. Okay, so, so you still need a coven. Great. I okay. mean, again, I, I watched this movie at the age that the characters, these 25 year old women that played the teenagers, were supposed to be. I think. <laughs> I, yeah, I think I was 12. Yes, I, I was. I was 13, 14. I think when I first saw it, I think, I don't, I don't think I saw it in the theater, but the second that it was out on video, I was all up on. Like we were all witches at that point, right? Yes. Yeah. We yes. had the internet. We had AOL. We were so, all finding our signs. Shit up on dog pile. And- <laughs> the only way I could have really appreciated this movie as a teenager was for me to under, to have understood and be cool with a lot of things about myself that I would not understand or be cool with for another decade. There are so many formative things about this movie yes. that make it just such a part of who I was at that time. Even then, I recognized the sort of campiness of it and yes. the pro- like, 
some of the problematic elements of it. And like with many movies in the 90s, it didn't stop me from it becoming the problematic fave that it that it be- became right. for so many years. And I will say that I was briefly in a quote-unquote coven Same. with three other girls. Yes. And we uh, did a seance on 4th of July trying to speak to the spirit of Kurt Cobain. That's amazing. And? That's great. Um, I freaked Kurt- out. Okay. I didn't. I don't think we heard from Kurt, but we did hear a lot of gunfire. But we, you know, we were in this weird part of Sacramento, which is already pretty sketch. So we were hearing like a lot of weird stuff happening, and I, I felt like I was in a David Lynch movie because um, I saw Twin Peaks when I was twelve. Sac- Sacramento parts is definitely very Twin Peaksy, if not Silent Hilly. <laughs> All of the above. Okay, and um, I have I have another question for you. Yes. Did you have a witch name? Sort of. You don't have to share it if you don't want to, but I'll tell I'll tell you mine. <laughs> yes, please. Oh my god. Okay, my name was Caridwyn, K-E-R-I-D-W-Y-N, because we all had to have different names. And as you said, you know, we recognize the inherent campiness of it, right? Like we already knew that, okay, this is fake, but we gotta figure out like what the what the real is, what the real stuff this is based on is. But I feel like every middle school, if parents were worried that reading about, <laughs> if parents were worried that reading Harry Potter was going to turn their kids <laughs> into witches, I guess they did not anticipate the craft. <laughs> my dabbling with magic in my life came after reading all of the Invisibles in a two-week period. <laughs> that, is, that is too fast to read that much Invisibles. <laughs> <laughs> Living I was in like, Northern yeah, Spring. yeah, fuck it. Whatever, whatever Grant Morrison says to do. Yeah, fuck it, I'll do that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's jump, let's jump into the recap. We intro to three witchy high school girls um, on their elemental signs. We've got air, that is Nancy. We got fire, that is Bonnie. We've got water, that's Rochelle. But their spells just are not working like they should because they need a fourth. And that's where we get our fourth girl flying in as her family moves to LA. We've got Earth, which is Sarah Bailey. It's played by Robin well known Honey. Witchy stuff, well known for working on bases of four and not triumvirates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um. <laughs> well, when you're calling the corner, like when you're calling the corners and you have four elements in north, south, east, west. <laughs> I'm just being difficult for difficult's sake. Oh no, we can, we like, I want a record scratch every time we talk about <laughs> the specifics of the of this movie we're like you know you could do three you could do five because you have the pentacle and there's also spirit yeah. whenever we like push up our glasses and are like <laughs> and wicca yeah we can well but, actually in the craft yeah well yeah. the yeah, other so. thing about wicca is that it's it's like inherently amorphous and it should be so right. like you know live your best life make up what you want well that's one of the things that's really interesting is when they start talking about black magic and white magic and how magic doesn't really work that way. <laughs> um, yes. I guess let's skip ahead. Sarah moves in in a storm. Jeremy has written a note. There are a lot of storms in LA in this movie. Now I am not a Californian. <laughs> I do know that it never rains in Southern California. Like I have heard that. Look, it was yeah, the mid-90s. If there was one, if there was one thunderstorm like this in LA, people would talk about it for a year. And there are at least five of them in this movie. Yeah, like, there's a lot of a lot of unlikely thunderstorms yeah. in LA. <laughs> the only thing more unlikely than these thunderstorms 
is that everybody isn't talking about them in every scene. Right? Because <laughs> when it rains in Southern California, people lose their shit. Yeah, I remember once there, when we were in San Diego, it was misting a little bit. And I jumped out of the car to like run and go get something. And your cousin was like, don't you need an umbrella? I was like, for what? <laughs> <laughs> It, there was a storm once in Hollywood. Still, let's Roland Emmerich make movies about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, they so Sarah and family arrive at this old, like, mission-style house. You know, it's got, like, the bars over the windows. It very much looks like it used to be a monastery. And the windows are open. The doors are open. That is a Southern California thing. Okay. I can confirm. Yeah. All right. The okay. roof is also open. My point to Alicia here is she was like, it is leaking all over the place. I was like, yeah, they probably wouldn't know because this is the first time anybody would have had a <laughs> in like the history of that house. Like the roof is on water. <laughs> <laughs> There's something water with the roof. We should have that looked at. <laughs> Now, to be fair, in 1995, there was a really, really, like, intense El Nino storm that flooded Sacramento and I think did a lot, did some stuff down south. Not that many thunderstorms in L.A. Mm -hmm. This is like, this is Portland. (laughs) (laughs) So she gets there. House is flooded and there's a guy there with a snake. (laughs) A a gentleman experiencing homelessness wanders up to her door and offers her a snake. Which she turns down. I know, ridiculous. Not only turns down, but falls down. Sarah, just turning down a perfectly good snake. (laughs) The snake wasn't bothering anyone. What kind of a witch is she? Now you're diving. It was the perfect housewarming gift. (laughs) It was. It was very sweet of him. That snake could have been her Salem. Right? I love it. And it was a California rat snake. It was a local uh, breed. It was not an invasive species. We love it. I mean, do you know how much you normally have to pay for that for that snake? And he's just offering it to you for free. That's a good deal, Sarah. And also keeps away can, the pests. Which she will need later. Yeah. She, she will need it. Even if you don't want that snake, you can sell it to a pet market. Like, you can flip that snake, Sarah. <laughs> flip it. Flip that snake. <laughs> I love that he's so incredulous, too. Like... Hey, calm down. Yes, right? I give you a snake. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Take the snake. She's not like, I so don't want the, your snake. Would you what? please go away? She goes, like, Dad! He's like, hey, lady, you're the one being weirdy over here. <laughs> to be fair, if a man walked into our house and offered me a snake, I... call for your dad? I do not think that I would react with poison a plum. I don't think the snake is a necessary part of that equation. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yes, yeah. let's make that let's clear. Be clear. It's not the snake's fault here. It's the sh- suddenly man in, like, house, right, in yeah, my like, house. I'm weirded out by the man walking in the house. If anything, the offer of the free snake is only diffusing the situation. Exactly. Right? right? Like now he has a reason. App, what are you doing here? Here's a snake. Oh, no, thank you. But... Yeah. <laughs> Really it's like, so, it's like there's then, a purpose. It's like, yeah, it's like, okay, do I need your animal adoption? Like, yeah, I get that. <laughs> the dad, also, the man the man leaves the snake there. And yes. then the dad kills it with a fireplace poker. Oh. And I'm thinking, like, where's that Where's that vim and vigor when it comes to defending the house against, like, this guy is still on their property, <laughs> yeah. you know? He's like, this is the real crisis here, this snake that's done nothing. So Sarah goes Leave, to- man. Fuck you, snake. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he missed. Yeah, they don't actually show the snake death, so. All right, you supply. Yeah. You out of jokes? I'm out of jokes. All right, so Sarah goes to school. 
and uh, she's just trying to chill. She's just trying to live her life and concentrate on her pencil, uh, twirling around on her desk. Because <laughs> that's what witches Sarah do. Starts this movie already having psychic powers that she is so blase about. Right, she's and like, I love, yeah, I can do it. It's like whatever. I love how in the '90s psychics always used their powers, like John Travolta and Phenomenon. Like I'm going to move this pencil around. Right. <laughs> just to twiddle, just like uh. nobody in my school is going to notice that I'm doing this. Yeah. <laughs> Bonnie is staring at her. Trying, trying not to stand out in high school on my first day. I'm just going to twirl a pencil on my desk. Bonnie gives the weirdest gasp in this scene, too, where she's like, <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> One day, Bonnie is going to watch the jo- dark night, and the pencil scene is going to blow her fucking brain. <laughs> oh. oh, no. <laughs> This is probably a rough time to mention that Bonnie was like the me character in the movie. Like when I watched oh, the movie, oh no, yeah, because like I had <laughs> I real... everybody's response to that is oh, oh no, I know. Well, like I had really bad skin when I was in high school, and I also was like always huddled up, and I had like my hair in my face, and I was like, Ugh, you know, <laughs> and um, yeah. So I saw it, like immediately. I was like, that's me, and then oh. as I got older, I was like just kidding <laughs> I, my problem is i was probably the breck and meyer character oh no, oh, no. I, like i wasn't look i don't like looking back in that mirror but <laughs> we appreciate your honesty but to me if if you were breck and meyer you'd be breck and meyer from coolest yes Aww. So, yes like breck and meyer with a heart Thank of you. gold yes okay, jamie, i mean i had the breck and meyer hair jamie which um, one were you you know i i like to think i'm i'm probably a sarah you're not a sarah i'm a sarah no i'm a <laughs> <Rochelle>. <laughs> don't say that uh sarah. Nah, i was definitely kind of a rochelle there yeah i mean my my mom is a witch and no that's not true hi mom <laughs> i'm not a witch ali which one were you uh, it's kind of like the Spice Girls because I was probably the only brown person in my friend group. I was Rochelle. I think okay. as a kid, I wanted to be Sarah. And as an adult, I want to be Nancy. We'll right. talk about that later. <laughs> Chris? I was definitely a Sarah. I was the one in the friend group going, are you sure we should do this, guys? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get in trouble, though. <laughs> was me. Are you sure we should be drinking? I mean, it could be fun, but... But, but we might get in trouble, though. <laughs> I knew about 11 Nancys, but um, I mostly, most of the Nancys I knew were from LARP groups, so. <laughs> I think that is sort of self-explanatory. Well, I definitely knew some Nancys as well. I know what you mean. I yeah. think they were theater kids, though. I, yeah, I had some Nancys in my life. I, if um, I had to pick which of the, like, the main girls I was, I was probably, like, honestly closest to Nancy, but I need to, I can't emphasize this enough with a negative fashion sense. That's the part you're upset about? Not the murder, not the, like, no, no, it's the fashion sense I don't have. Well, no, again, I'm trying to say that it parts where I don't have in common with Nancy. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Chris, don't ask too many questions about yeah. that. You're right. You're right. This is being recorded. Yeah. This is being recorded. Sorry. Sorry, Nancy. Go ahead. Cargo pants and dysphoria hoodies like every day. <laughs> so, how has this podcast been the most revealing about all of our team years? <laughs> I just, I, I really like dysphoria hoodies. Uh, that is a good name. Yeah, I wore XL. My all of my Nine Inch Nails shirts were like XL Dysphoria shirts. 
because mm. they were like I I was intent on being as unrecognizable as human as po- well like as a woman honestly as possible just because I you know wanted to live my own life and all of my nine now and the nice thing about it is all that my shirts fit me still. I <laughs> <laughs> mean now. I definitely now. did the same thing. Where everything was baggy because I did not wish to be perceived at all. Yes. I will say that I recently said something about um, buying my first pair of sweatpants since like early high school. And people took that to mean that I had <laughs> somehow maintained my high school weight. <laughs> and I was like, no, I, I still weigh about 100 pounds more than I did in high school. I just <laughs> had really big clothes. Um, so Sarah goes to school. She meets the girls. Uh, she also meets uh, Skeet Ulrich. Is it Ulrich or Ulrich? Ulrich. Ulrich. I thought so. So she meets Skeet Ulrich. I guess his name Chris is Hooker. Chris Hooker. Uh, and <laughs> who that can't be a real name. <laughs> I, I missed that that was his last name. Yep. <laughs> and I, you know, Chris comes over and, and he sits down next to her and he's like, hey, Sarah, don't hang out with those girls. Which girls, Chris? The three that are staring at me is super weird. The bitches yeah. of Eastwick. That one's like a really big slut. Now, I had a big problem with his characterization of the bitches of Eastwick because one, he says, don't hang out with her. She's a big slut. And I teach teenagers. Uh-huh. And I cannot imagine a teenage boy telling a teenage girl he was really worried about the reputation she'd get if she hung out with that oh, slut right. over there. I, uh, I mean, they are at a Catholic school that has really bad um, uniform. Uh, <laughs> yeah, how did they get uniform? away with those yeah. uniforms? So Jerry right? said the same thing, and I used to teach at a Catholic school, and the rules were pretty lax, right? You had to wear, you know, green or navy blue or like black or khaki pants and a white top or you know one of the school color tops and you could have a cardigan or button down or a tie like there were all sorts of different combos so none of them would have been completely out of dress code at the school that I taught at they would have been kind of slouchy and they probably would have been um given demerits for you know the 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 neatness of their outfits but they were all wearing pieces of the uniform yeah now as, as awful the, as like, that bit is the one that really bothered me was her talk as him talking about uh don't hang out with her she's got burns yeah. like what oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't hang out with that girl over there trauma happened to her <laughs> right. you might catch it. trauma it's yeah. God, I, she's covered in burns. I mean, I haven't seen them, but like, <laughs> they're there. Like, what? <laughs> no Don't get too close. You might see the scars. Yeah, no disrespect to Skeet Ulrich now. Right. But I, Chris Hooker is a horrible, like, unlikable character that Skeet Ulrich then plays beyond Woodenly. <laughs> right. He does not want to be here. It's fascinating watching this and realizing that not long from now he'll be in Scream and be like a whole different human being. Right. It is How wild. is he a murderer in that movie and way more charming? It's right? wild watching him and Robin, like Robin Tooney trying to compete <laughs> as to who wants to be in this movie the least. And then, right. and then for Rochelle, what's the reason not to hang out with her? He doesn't say. Doesn't he doesn't say, say anything. I mean, doesn't yeah. Say. Hmm. Hmm. 
What it's this a, movie forgetting about, this movie forgetting about Rochelle? It's a good thing that, <laughs> that won't never happen. happen. It's a good thing <laughs> that won't happen in the movie and then spill over into real life. Oh, <laughs> oh wow! Oh no! Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Ooh. Because they um, definitely did not include her, uh, the character or the actress. Um, like any of the promotional stuff. Uh, Rachel True has been uh, very publicly on record. Um, kind of calling out uh, conventions that have invited Nev, Faruza, and Robin as guests and then never even reached out to her. Mm. On streaming services, they also tend to not put her name in the starring cast. It's bullshit. Wow. Yeah. It's a little easier now that she can kind of call Twitter to defend her and and get those things changed, but it's still fucked that she has to do that in the first place. It's fucked that anyone would even think to do that in the first place. This movie feels a lot like Jennifer's body and the fact that the uh, promotion seems to be doing actively the things that the movie is like, these things are bad. Yeah, Honestly. Yeah. So I guess we're supposed to think that she likes Chris or she falls for Chris. uh, Here? Yeah, at that point, right? In this scene? This This is the scene where like he is un- he's ir- so irresistible that she's going to voluntarily go and stand outside the fence to watch him practice football. Now, Jeremy, you played football in high school. I did. Would did? you have ever asked your girlfriend to stand outside of your football practices and watch you play? <laughs> no. Was that fun for her? That is not a, that is not a thing. <laughs> I'm going to call her. That this- is not a- <laughs> oh, my God. No. This movie Would really... your coach have allowed that? Would your coach have been like... <laughs> no, my coach would have like yelled at me and made me do like laps and stuff if I just like invited girls to come out, hang out outside <laughs> my football practice. That's not Did you that's make not Jennifer a, thing. a mixtape? No, I will say that my high school... <laughs> I will say my high school boyfriend did occasionally come to band practice to watch me practice. Oh. That's just a power move. <laughs> yeah. You were I mean, definitely that's a witch in high school. Your high school boyfriend was already graduated and didn't have anything else to do. We can get that right. This <laughs> <laughs> podcast has taken a turn. Oh, uh, this is our most revealing right? episode. I know. Uh, this is mom. There are some things that I don't want you to find out about. No. <laughs> Full disclosure: there will be more. Don't worry. <laughs> right. um, this, this movie, as a whole, a lot of it really relies on multiple people finding an objectively unlikable and detestable human being absolutely irresistible so we were talking about this on twitter today because i had i had forgotten what he was like in this movie and was like backwards projecting riverdale skeet altridge on this movie (laughs) and then when i watched it again i was like how did they suck every ounce of charisma out of him (laughs) Riverdale Skeet Ulrich is like uh, shows up at your it. house in like in just like jeans and a tank top with like a gorgeous like coffee tail being like, hey, lightning stuff like struck this like mahogany tree. So I carved like a coffee table and I'm giving it to you now. 100%. I didn't know that I needed to watch Riverdale this badly. <laughs> I might be like that's the energy modern day Skeet Ulrich gives off. Uh, that is yeah. not the energy 1996 yeah. Ulrich is Apparently giving off. Not. And even in Scream, like I was saying, he's so much more charismatic in Scream. So what did they do to him that like sucked the life out of him in this production of this movie? They put him against Robin Tunney, who <laughs> really does not want to be in this movie at all. Just, just yeah. the charisma like wave of just sucked out of them both. I had to look that up because I'm like, this character is terrible. 
who played him? There's no way this person could have had a career after this. Skeet Ulrich, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> yeah, he also looks like a vampire in this. Somehow he is so pale. Like, like a meat He's really, vampire, really tired. Though. He does. He he really looks like they found him after, like, he had just had a horrible bender and then put him on screen and that was the best he could do. He looks like he just finished donating blood <laughs> every scene. <laughs> He's a little nauseous looking. Like <laughs> he can never quite focus on whatever he's supposed to be looking at. <laughs> also, this this practicing is the only time we actually ever see him play football, and he misses yeah. the ball and falls down. Which because, is just, because they just yell what he's doing to the rest him. of his performance. And he does that because the witches are there, right? So he does that because they yell to him, which feels like you should be able to play while being yelled at if you're going to do football. The idea yeah. That the, I love the idea that the witches, though, are just showing up to practice to bully the players. <laughs> so they like, it's not even witchcraft. It's just Nancy bullying him. Yeah. They're like, yeah. What well, did there is some sort of history between him and Nancy. So I always read it as, yeah. like, every time, you know, every time he saw Nancy around, he'd, like, get extra spooked. Not because mm-hmm. she was, like, the devil. Because I remember there's that scene where she's, like, staring at Breck and Meyer and them. And they're like, hey, it's Satan. Yeah. You know, and she's sort of, she's leaning into it which i think is a pretty great move i also like i think nancy is is always trying to like get at him because she knows she has that little bit of power over him even mm-hmm. though he denies it like so adamantly and that's um, what this that's what this is about right that's what this movie is about that's what the 1996 slew of movies that and television shows were about they're about young girls without power taking power yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's kind of the the unifying theme here um, that we see over and over again, except in this movie, them taking power ends up doing a lot of damage, right? Because it's like just out of control. Like they have power and they've taken it and now they've got it and they can just do whatever they want and they don't have any sort of... Right, because there's nothing more dangerous than a woman who takes power. Right. God, there's so much to it. I mean, isn't that the lesson right. of the crucible, right? I, there's that a is... lot of... I feel like there's certain negative tropes or ideas this movie falls into that you see like anytime they adapt like the Dark Phoenix saga... Again, yeah, this is really dark phoenixy. Yeah, again, yeah. it's like it, it's not trusting women to have both power and agency. I mean, My Little Ponies has done the same storyline like three times, though. <laughs> I'm a girl. I have too much power. I want more power. Uh-huh, why did I have so much power? Meanwhile, a guy goes on an uncontrollable fucking like quest for power, and we just throw Emmys at Brian Cranston. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. Accurate. <laughs> so, okay. So let's, uh, let's jump ahead. Um, Cause we're still like kind of, uh, we haven't even, you know, gotten past the first like 20 minutes of the movie. I don't no know. magic has happened so no far. No magic has happened so far, except they're all like, they go out, they go out to do witchy stuff. They're like, come on girl, let's go skip school. Let's go do witchy stuff. We're going to go like drink in the woods. Oh my God, I wanted him to fall over. And they're doing like a lot of like teen girl giggling type of things, which it's, it's accurate. It's, I mean, so- that's what Jeremy. Hey, there's and I also do. there's yeah. also a lot of teen girl discussion about suicide and the right and wrong ways to do it. And right. That yeah, is so a lot, a lot, a lot. 1996 statement where she looks at her wrist and she's like, "Oh my god, you even did it the right way." Like that is that is so 19 that is so like 90s grunge goth. It really is. It was so I remember being hanging out with some skaters when I was in middle school and this guy with like long hair wearing a Nirvana Nirvana shirt says to me, so are you like 
one of those self-mutilating rockers. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> was that then, you going, uh... <laughs> yikes, 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 yikes. Yeah, it was yeah. It's huge yikes. Like, they're, you know, and, and I would be hanging out with people and they would be sort of comparing notes about yeah. how much they cut. Yeah, like... Mm-hmm. You know, and I did, I did like have some self-harm issues when I was in high school and it was not necessarily uh, anything like that for me, like in terms of how we talked about it. But, um, you know, that was such a, that was such a part of that uh, scene. Yeah. And it's so crazy and it's still crazy. And I, and, and this being like seeing that in this movie is, is there's so much to unpack. And also, interestingly enough, there's a similar uh, theme with that because uh, Robin Tunney plays as a character in Empire Records that also attempts suicide, but they actually treat it a little bit more with a lot more weight, you know, mm-hmm. like they, mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, so that she, she's in, in Empire Records, they actually take her seriously. While in this movie, it's sort of like, if you're gothic and you know it, you play the wrist violin, like, oh, <laughs> That's what. Uh, That's a fucking line right there. That's <laughs> what that that was a that was a like a goth scene yep. joke, and you know it's awful, but it's it's it was part of the the experience. I'm surprised, and maybe there was because that scene seemed like it would inspire like a slew of local news stories. It's like what movie is teaching your children the right way to commit suicide? Find out at eleven. I know. I know there, there's a little bit of 13 witches why about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yikes. So they also in the scene, they go to a witch shop and then they end up like stealing from the witch shop. Was this, like... was this anyone else's favorite character? Because this was 100% my favorite character and I needed a thousand percent more her. Oh yes. yeah, I know. Like Lyria was the best and like I, Bonnie makes some excuse like oh, all animals steal and I'm like this is this is witchcraft like this is sisterhood 101. Right. But Sarah kind of calls her on that too. Yeah. She's like animals steal to survive. You're just being an asshole. I yeah. did I, I want to ask for the people that saw this in like their formative teenage years. Is there an, when you first saw that scene, did you relate to like Bonnie and Nancy and like and that element of just like teenage rebellion and fuck any kind of authority so this is so in that i was a sarah right i've never been a thief i've never gotten joy from stealing stuff i don't like it i don't want to do it i don't want to participate in it i knew kids who did it was not me i accidentally all laws (laughs) as much as possible whenever possible i accidentally shoplifted at age 15 and almost had a panic attack about it and it was a single piece of candy and i went back (laughs) and i paid three times as much as the candy and ran away (laughs) i was definitely relating to the small business owner yeah Yeah. (laughs) but i couldn't tell if that's like if that's just me being 30 and going like like this is a specialty item shop her margins can't her margins have to be razor thin yeah i was i was i was that kid at age 12, like, I can't believe that they're going to steal from this really nice lady. This sweet like, lady. She's just yeah. like, hanging out there and they're stealing from her. But this is kind of like, you know, a storyline in Buffy as well, which I know that there are some people here who are not particularly <laughs> big Buffy fans. Chris, I'm talking about you. But <laughs> there's like this whole thing where Faith, you know, the bad slayer, the, the Nancy slayer, the Faruza <laughs> Balk slayer, if you will. 
is telling Buffy, your Sarah, um, you're a slayer. You can do what you want. You know, people owe you. You save the world all the time. Just see something, take it. It's yours. And she's encouraging Buffy to embrace this sort of power. And I think, again, getting back to that theme of adolescent girls don't have any power and are willing to take somewhere they can. I mean, we can see that in a lot of times with um, self-harm. There's an element of taking control of the only thing I can control, which is my body, right? If everything else in my life is um, being, you know, is out of control or out of my control, I should say. And I think if the movie wanted us to feel more conflict about that, they would have not made it Alaria they were stealing from. You know, making it the sweet woman that's otherwise so helpful, I think takes away the nuance of that. Right. (laughs) Right. And also the fact that they're all about... They're all about this uh, the sisterhood, you know, and right. they're stealing from another witch. Right. It's like, yeah, the sisterhood only applies to teenage witches. That's an old woman over there. She's like 30. Listen, <laughs> if, you know the rules. Like, if you can't pay for the book, you get Walden books to order it, and then you steal it from there. Like <laughs> Exactly. But if they had been stealing from a bigger store, I think the nuance would feel a little different in that yes. scene, right? Absolutely. Like if yeah. They- especially if it was like a chain or something like that but the fact that it's this woman and she's just so over it like she knows and she's just like oh you again yep here 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 they come yes i better check my inventory again yeah (laughs) they go out uh they meet the homeless guy again who again tries to give the give her a snake and apparently they want him to get hit by a car that is such a reaction. And then they're like, he got hit by a car. Like, I really wanted that man to get hit by a car. Have you ever gone from, wow, this person's slightly creeping me out to immediately wanting them dead? <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I mean that, that kind of extreme reaction is very, like, also very naive. I mean, like, I mean this, is, this is the generation that spawned Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. I don't want to damn myself too badly, but I do live in Manhattan. <laughs> I mean, it usually takes me a few more steps to jump immediately to homicidal rage. I did have in my notes, I hope the snake was okay. Like, I know the man is just wrecked and he, like, it's, run over. It's somehow still the same snake. The snake survived the original almost stabbing and then survived the car crash. That too. snake is having a hell of a week. The poor snake. The, 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 that scene with the uh, the guy getting run over is extremely uh, graphic. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> yeah, and he, you know, he was like screaming at her and following her and, you know, harassing her. It wasn't like in the beginning where he's like, here you go, what, what's yeah. wrong? You know, he was he, he was trying to warn her uh, that she was going to die. Is that what was happening in the scene? Yeah, he was yeah, like, I had yeah. a dream about you, and and you were going to die, and all this kind of stuff. And it felt like foreshadowing, and and I'm not sure it actually went. I know, yeah, I was confused no. about what he was foreshadowing. Side note: This did happen to me when I visited New York. Somebody did t- tell me they had a dream I was going to die on the street. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, that, I mean, that, yeah, this that, was that, my that, exact experience. That, I mean, that checks out. Once Jeremy went to church with me and my parents and a woman completely ignored me to tell him that he was going to do, well, to tell him that he needed to watch Joel Osteen, first of all, that was the first part. And the second part, she turned to me and then said, I needed to treat him well because he was going to be a great man. I mean, she was right, but you know, <laughs> except for about the Joel Osteen stuff. And I didn't wish her to fall under a car. 
immediately. Let's see. One time in Philly at around 2.30 in the morning, a drunk lady hit me with her purse and called me a Jonas Brother wannabe looking <laughs> And just ran off. Oh my gosh. I mean, I'm sorry that happened to you, but that's a whole Did you laugh? Comeback. Oh my God, I laughed so hard. I'm like, I'm just... I'm going to continue on my way to 7-Eleven, but this is a, what, this is a 7-Eleven trip to remember. <laughs> I would just scream tweaker at anybody that yelled at me. And that seemed to, that seemed to work. Um, although, you know, I was walking around with a uh, videotape all over me, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I wish that I could have known like early high school Emily Martin. I wish I could have known early high school Alicia because like we would have had the best coven. We would have been such good friends. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so so did did you, this woman that spoke to you at church, what about her hair falling out? She was already a very old lady. She was was an older lady. Probably. Yeah, that's a rough one. Yeah. Yeah, I did not will her to get hit by a car or to have her hair fall out. She also didn't do a racism to me, so. Yeah. Which is, which is the, the next thing we experience here is that each of these girls has a, a single problem in their lives that they need to fix, and they want to use witchcraft to do it. Rochelle is experiencing a racism at the hands of uh, Marsha Brady. Right? Sure, Also, Jan. Melody from Hey Dude, which is always what I have. Um, um, my gosh. Yeah. yeah definitely like Alicia was like, this girl looks like Marsha Brady. Let me look it up. Oh, it is Marsha Brady. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, think it's more like Marsha Brady. I, than I just Melody. could not remember if she, if this was the actress who did play like new Marsha Brady because her and um, Maureen McCormick look so, like, I, so much alike. I admit to refer to her as Zoolander's love interest. <laughs> I call her Mrs. Ben Stiller. <laughs> Oh, that's right. I thought Hans was Zoolander's love interest. Yes. I mean, yes. correct. <laughs> True. So, so as so, Ali, I don't know if you had this experience, um, but I definitely had the only brown person in a sea of a lot of white people experience. Well, we both went to UNC. <laughs> yes, yeah. So no, we definitely were... had it there. But like, was this part of your middle school, high school, well, I guess 10-year-old experience? I know. Yeah, I was in I was in the fifth grade. So... Did you go to did you go to Durham Academy? No, no. I okay. went to Hillendale. So I went to a, a public okay. school in Durham. Um I wasn't the only black kid, but I was definitely the only black kid in my friend group. And mm-hmm. especially like being multiracial too, it's like people are selective about when they see race and how they see it. Mm. Um, so got a lot of subtle racism. Like you are always scary spice, but we won't say why kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. You're always LeVar Burton when we play Star Tell Trek. Tell me what you mean, what you really, mm-hmm. really mean. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I always wanted to be LeVar Burton when we played Star Trek, but still like. You're like, you want, you want options and then you want yeah. to be able to pick LeVar Burton. Exactly. Because I wanted to yeah. wear my headband, my banana clip headband over my eyes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't? Who doesn't? For those of you who don't know, Allie and I are both from Durham. We actually have the same first name. <laughs> we have a similar. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> We're both very oldest siblings, and we have a similar number of younger siblings. Um, Whose names all start with A. Yes, except, <laughs> except for, for my brother. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> He's a weirdo. But, you know, we're from Durham, which, is, which has a large Black population, but we still ended up in a lot of situations where we were the only Black person in a group of white people. And a lot of what Rochelle experiences is, I've never had anybody look at me and say they don't like Negroids. That's a really yeah, weird same. 
that's a really weird racism. <laughs> I, I yeah. around a lot that of racists shocking. in the western part of North Carolina, and I never heard anybody say the word negroid until I watched this movie. I think I was. Did everybody person. else just become the blinking guy and give and be like, right? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah, what? 100%. And I had seen this before, and I still was like, nope, deleted that from my yeah, brain. I think I would have like, been gonna... more insulted by being called a negroid. <laughs> I'm like I've never, I'm like I haven't heard that like fucking like when they're doing racist '60s white man like racism. I'm wondering. So initially, Sorry, Rochelle. Out. <laughs> no. I said a Negro sounded like a black transformer, and she just fell over. No, no, I also fell over. <laughs> oh God, so the, no! It's it's jazz from the first guys. All right. The script initially was not written for Rochelle to be black and Rachel True auditioned and got the part. So they changed it from what, like she was supposed to be a character with like an eating disorder or, you know, some kind of small trouble. So I'm curious about how the writers, two old white dudes, cough, cough, um, Mm -hmm. approached this. And maybe they were afraid to put anything stronger than the very weird Negroid in. That's what I think. Stronger than Yeah. <laughs> I, that's what I really think. Like also, they're like that already couldn't... gets edited out of yeah. the TV version. I mean, so it's, okay. yes, right. indeed, of it was. But I really plan on addressing race. Like, <laughs> of course, they stumbled ass fucking backwards into <laughs> having into reluctantly having to be progressive. Uh, and then yeah. there was probably a conversation in the writers' room about. So what what word can we use? Like I don't feel comfortable writing the N word, but maybe we can do something that sounds like it, and, and that'll Christine be. Taylor that'll is be not fun. trying to bomb her career by having right. It. Like, I was ready. I was ready for like what you were saying. Like you're posh spice, but we are your scary spice, but we won't tell you why. You weren't ready for ready. any iota of nuance in this movie at all, because there is is none. I wasn't expecting like. Fucking let me just put, let me just put on the hood levels of like racism. <laughs> well, really, she basically walked the... in and was like, "Hi, I am racist." Okay, goodbye. That's yeah. really one of the most annoying ways that racism is represented in films. Um, the subtle ways where they were picking on her hair and saying that it looked like pubes is literally something that happened in college to me. Um, Tell me after the podcast. Yeah, I'll tell you after the podcast. It's, it's not, <laughs> co- emergency coven meeting yeah, after the podcast. It was not about me. It was about someone else, but they didn't realize that they were talking, they were just talking about how black people hair is. And I was like, that's me. And they were like, your hair isn't like that. I was like, because it's chemically altered. You're different. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I was hoping to see more of, right? Like that subtle, nuanced racism that most white people don't think that they perpetrate you know like most people who look at most most of the racism that i have experienced in my life comes from people who if you ask them hey you're racist do you like negroids do you like negroids (laughs) i love negroids like the one who raised my grandma was a negroid what do you (laughs) i voted for one twice oh yeah I would like him again if I could. Yeah, you know, and like that, I think that's what makes, you know, watching um, Get Out such a more interesting depiction of racism. It's because most of that racism is not people who will come out to you to your face to tell you, no, I don't like you because you're black. Like, can you just, can we just, (laughs) can you stop like trying to be friends with me? (laughs) They are just people who will make you feel crazy in a million different ways because they won't invite you to 
press conferences or <laughs> promotional events, and they'll only invite the white actresses, you know, instead, which is the the hypothetically that they won't, they won't invite you to the cons and exactly. Definitely, <laughs> I definitely think it would have been more. I think it would have been more interesting, more realistic, and much more powerful if they had stuck with that. And that kind of was the first scene mm -hmm. with, with Rochelle dealing with that, which I guess maybe raised my hopes for this movie, like in terms of nuance. Yeah. Which was, but then it also is like later on, the movie kind of wants you to like feel bad for what happens to yeah. like, the little Lizzie so character. And like she's so racist, I'm like, you can give her the the truck treatment. You can also have her do the hit by the truck spell. I don't care anymore. She's that racist. There's a yeah, and there's a lot of that in this movie, like really weirdly placed, uh, like sympathy filters. But um, we'll get to that. The leveling uh, the too of things of like, well, clearly this is you know Nancy killed two people, but look, Rochelle took someone's hair out. Like, no, not the same. <laughs> the movie what equates do you mean? the movie equates Nancy's murder with Bonnie flaunting her body after healing <laughs> from different I, yes. scars. No, Where Bonnie's like, I'm sexy herself. now. Yeah, like she doesn't. Literally, nothing wrong. We haven't actually talked about wrong. Bonnie's first scene of like, this is what's wrong with me and how I'm trying to deal with it, which right, is the hospital scene, which is where we reference gene therapy um, very vaguely. <laughs> Can we talk about the best, worst science line we've had yet in a movie, which was, doctors don't have a warranty for this process? And I was like, she means guarantee, right? <laughs> Did she say warranty? She said warranty. I went back because I was like, she said what? <laughs> There's yes, no warranty. Your money back. I'm sorry. Your skin does not have a warranty. It expired. <laughs> well, well, I, I, I mean, I should have gotten into like, the extra good like replacement plan on my organs. Right. <laughs> it's not like something lost it. that I would say if I was pretending to be a doctor and I couldn't remember the right word, <laughs> yes. which I think I, is exactly what was going on. So, but I just I'm, love that it made the final movie. Right. I'm, They're just can, like fuck it. Can well, we also I'm talk about the... start referring to health insurance as organ warranty from now on? <laughs> 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 but is my warranty cover this? <laughs> can we also talk about the bravery that this movie has of? having her be a burn victim with scars that are easily hidden by a shirt. <laughs> right. She, she is, you know, it's, it's basically the beastly treatment of, oh, he's so hideous. Is he? he yeah. yeah. <laughs> Neff Campbell is not so hideous. Yeah. Right. I love, I love later in the movie when everyone's like cat calling her as if she wasn't this gorgeous before. Right. And not right. to minimize the insecurity that she feels by having these burn scars on her back. I mean, there are, you know, lots of people who have scars or, you know, burns or something in a place that is generally hidden. It's not something that you would normally see or you would normally, you know, that you would know yeah. about. And there are tons of us who have um, invisible disabilities. But in a film about a person who this is their like their biggest problem, their big, big, bad problem, it seems like they could have, I don't know, given her a burn on her face or given her a burn right. on her, you know, like somewhere where it would be impossible to just... Or made the burns consistent or mentioned how they got there. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, there's, in the early parts of the movie, it's her back and most of one of her arms. And then later, she before she gets better, she is wearing short or no sleeves and there are no burns on her arms yeah, yeah. Um, so like this movie is really self-important but can't bother to like keep up with its own consistency right 
At right. no point is Bonnie ever not Nev Campbell in her mid twenties. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. She is so hot. Yeah. So I, I will say I do think she does a really good job of really caring and communicating Bonnie's pain and insecurities yeah. regarding her scars. I do think it's a very um, a really good performance. From, I think her uh, performance her. overall is good, which is a standout thing to say about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's something about the uh her whole journey i mean this that that character i identified with because of that and even though you know the, the conditions that i had that I, you know i still have scars from that you know when i was when i was a teenager and i was constantly forced to look at my identity and the reflection of media you know my my identity as a girl as a and as a goth girl you know cuz you see like all these these characters and they're like fishnets and stuff like that. I, it's one of the reasons that I, I dress like a tent because I just didn't want anybody to, to perceive me. And I think that's a pretty ubiquitous um, thing, as, as, uh, especially as a lot of teenage girls grow up and try to figure out like who they are, what their relation to their body is. That kind of, those kind of values, those aesthetic values, just being about appearance. You know, like another movie might have had this magic affect Nev Campbell by giving her like a way to accept that, you know, Mm -hmm. but this one was, I just want my skin to get better. Right. And then it does, you know, spoilers or, you know, but she goes through like- Actually, that's what, that's what's coming up next. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also this therapy has to be like so crazy expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like with jeans, nuts cutting. I in. would be so mad. Are they Jinko jeans? I would be so mad if we spent tons of money to like do some sort of crazy therapy for Zuri, and it turned out that she, did, yeah, that she could have just gone and like done it herself. Mm-hmm. You know what? <laughs> All right, that, that doctor was freaking out. <laughs> we were like, what? We were just poking her with needles and then it actually worked. <laughs> she was so shocked at success. So it was glue the whole time. That so, doctor is about to publish a paper that's going to like send ripples through like the commu- like the medical community, and then he's gonna be disgraced and ruined when he can never reproduce the results. A hundred percent. So all of the all of the girls have a problem, right? So mm-hmm. Rochelle's got racism. Bonnie's got her burns. Nancy's mom is living with a man who is abusive and they're both uh, alcoholics and there's this uh, implication that he is going to sexually assault her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's living in terrible conditions. And Sarah's uh, new boyfriend, maybe, that she goes out with once, uh, decides to come to school and tells everyone that she's a slut and he's dumping her because she's a slut i have real problems with this chris thing just because it doesn't actually make sense is it it makes no sense it makes no No, sense whatsoever so like if 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 chris's end game is to get laid this date ends with him getting a kiss from sarah and sarah seeming very into it and then them leaving where they're going and then like the next thing we see is like her coming back into the school and he's like, ah, oh, you know, she, he's told the whole school that she's a slut and that they slept together and now he's dumping her. I was like, I... She I, did I, reject I, him I, at I, the I, end of that date. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, it, it was a, yeah. it was a, like, it was a no, a firm no. But it seems as, it seemed like he reacted way too calmly that night to then react so not calmly the yeah, next well, day. Like, sure, I sure. Mean, it, was, it was a firm no, but it, was, it wasn't like, 
rejecting like yeah. him as a romantic. Which, I, like, again, I would get if he was like the kind of guy that would then react really badly in the moment. But he is this wild characterization of someone who the next day was like, you know what? <laughs> It, it speaks to the dissonance and inconsistencies, I think, throughout yeah. his character. Uh-huh. He also asks for consent before he kisses her. Mm-hmm. When yeah. he's sitting there, he, gr- he grabs her face and then he goes, can I kiss you? Right. But then has a fit that yeah. she doesn't want to sleep with him. Like, who like, is this man? To what you yeah. said, Jeremy, like, if his end goal is to eventually sleep with her, like, as far as first dates go, that was a wildly successful first date. Right. Like, yeah. 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 Somehow well, she actually... met him and still liked him. Like, this is a major Yeah, win. like, you've ca- like you've <laughs> We've kissed. met him. <laughs> You're clearly, like, going to go on more dates. Like, this is, this is, the, this is a solid start to a high school relationship. And it's like, not like we see any evidence that there are girls knocking down his door let's just be yeah. clear like, uh, i mean place football just like god and the devil <laughs> i mean there is nancy there is everything with nancy but that's a whole but this does yeah. this seems like two like two instances it's not like we're given any reason to believe he's super popular like we really aren't he has three friends that's it <laughs> all i would absolutely buy if like his if one of his friends was like oh yeah chris said he slept with you I'm like that would make sense like he was bragging to one of his friends that he mm-hmm. slept with her and was going yeah. to go on another date with her like and from that said, character's perspective and then she was like how dare you tell mm-hmm. this friend that you know you slept with me now you're never gonna sleep with me and then he might you know take the nuclear option there but like he seems to be on the path to getting laid in this story and then is like screw it i'm gonna say i was and it's like you're missing your entire goal here in in, in at the point of like just being, I don't know, in charge of this situation. Right. Everything about his character is baffling. There is no logic at all. Now, I will say that even though this is, this makes absolutely no sense, and it is um, very narratively sloppy, almost this exact same thing happened to me when I was in high school. Mm. (laughs) So, but you know, at that point, the behavior of any other person that wasn't me was completely baffling. So, you know, at the time, it didn't really read to me when I saw the movie as like something that was, I mean, it was awful that he did that. But, I, you know, I didn't have the presence of mind to be like, what? Like, why even? It, because, you know, it was just like everybody was why even at that point. Mm-hmm. It reminded mm-hmm. me of what we had in Anna and the Apocalypse with Nick and Anna and how that all went but like that was actually based off logic and character absolutely actual charisma but okay this is nightmare logic like yeah I mean to be fair we are shown that he is not the brightest bulb during one of the best moments where she's like you are who you hang with and he's like yeah wait yeah that was The script calls for him to be the worst, and the worst he will be. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I wrote on the on the as a note. I think Jeremy and I were Jeremy and I were talking about how he's off the chip scale. Yeah, no, he's not completely off the chip scale. Yeah, Yeah, I I think. I think he has, because Chip is a different kind of character, I think, because the Chip character is not supposed to be bad, is part of the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This character yeah, like, is supposed to be bad. Like, we're this not This is a villain. To. Yeah, and yet. First of all, you're talking about that, Chris. Don't attack me like this. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Wow! Right after I spoke, is a villain. This hooker is a villain. That's why I like. I do like differentiating between Chris and Skeet Ulrich. 
That's cute. I'm glad you could tell the difference between me and Skeet Ulrich. Well, I mean for the purpose of dialogue within this yes. podcast episode. <laughs> you are Chris. Chris in the movie is Skeet Ulrich. Okay, from now on, he's Skeet Ulrich. So everybody's got issues. You know, I've got issues. You've got them too. All right. And the girls start getting more experimental. They start doing more spells. They start light going feather, in there. Stiff as a board. Confidence. Yes, they do the light as a feather, stiff as a board thing. Which, did you ever do that at the sleepover? I did not. Yes. Okay. Absolutely did. I played video games at sleepovers. <laughs> That's what I did. did. You never tried any magic spells at sleepovers? Only the magic spells that the characters in Smash Brothers did. Okay, so you never like, <laughs> in a mirror and said biggie smalls biggie no i'm kidding you never stood in a mirror and said bloody mary uh no a group of a group of boys that i think included me more by accident than anything uh got got in trouble in a bathroom for turning off the lights and chanting bloody mary but i think i got in trouble you mean slowly and systematically murdered right (laughs) that's Yes, so they, they all got murdered. I was like, I was just <laughs> for the the urinal. Um, and then Mary Tudor said, Betty. That is well. What we would do in middle and school Mary was, Tudor said, I was 50 pounds lighter than everyone. Instead of like calmly like lifting up, people would just violently just lift me up with no warning and then throw me. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> oh no, you were th- that happened to you. <laughs> I have I had seen that happen to other people. Yeah, there's that whole year. They're so weird. There's no difference between the friend group and the bully group. Oh, that is real. That the is... Venn diagram was a perfect circle. That was my oh. experience also. Oh. Bad times. I'm so sorry. This is why we're the same person now, Ben. <laughs> oh. So there's a there's a bit here where they're doing their magic and this is probably the first time that they actually start talking about the um the the actual magic that they're doing you know this movie being called the craft and being witches you put those words together and it becomes witchcraft right what (laughs) there whoa wow my My mind (laughs) yeah so um the uh great yeah (laughs) So in my TED talk, I will talk about Wicca. Um, now, as we talk about the, you know, we've talked about Wicca. We're talking about um, correcting this movie. Now, the, the the Wicca that all the books are written about that you see in the cool stores, like where Lirio does her kung fu over the candles and makes spells and stuff. That's all varied, and it's all mostly based on folk magic. But the, all the stuff that like the um, perfect love and perfect trust, so mode it be as above, so below. A lot of that comes from the the w- laws of Wicca, I th- believe, or the Wiccan laws that were initially penned by Gerald Gardner, who was a an amateur uh, anthropologist in England during the spiri- spiritualist movement, who was doing research on witchcraft and became part of a coven, but he was sworn to secrecy. So he basically made like, the the same but different witchcraft that he wanted to popularize and this was also based on the writings of uh, margaret murray who was doing a lot of uh, research into the witchcraft traditions that may have been something to do with the the witch burning like were there actually witches active during the witch trials or was it all hearsay you know that her her research was inconclusive but anyway back to gerald gardner he was really just about wouldn't it be cool if ladies were in charge of something which in its way at the time was very revolutionary. But if you read his books now, they don't really age that well. But all his wicked laws 
were in turn taken from Alistair Crowley and Thelema, you know, and that, which is kind of ironic, don't you think? Because of the, (laughs) um, because of the fact that, that Thelema, you know, while there were, there was a high priestess and there was a certain amount of significance that women would play in the rituals of Thelema, it was very much like a hermetic, you know, dude, alchemist, secret tradition kind of thing. There was a lot of like masculinity in Thelema with Alistair Crowley. And, you know, there's a lot of podcasts about that. Go listen to them. I'm not, I, I did know some people in high school that were Thelemites that were uh, practicing members of the OTO, which is like a whole other thing. That's the Ordo Templi Orientis. Anyway, the spiritual advisor, or I should say the pagan consultant, the witch consultant of this movie was a woman named Pat Devon, who is a high priestess of the covenant of the goddess and Dianic feminist separatist tradition. And she had a very specific, she had a couple of very specific reasons that she wanted this to be something that wasn't specifically the Wicca that we read about in the books that were we're not talking about the the triple goddess or or you know we're talking about Manon which is a I looked up the origin of the name Manon and I only got an opera about a French guy or a Welsh queen you know no real de- deity that had the name Manon that I could find and do you know why that is so according to my research, Pat Devon didn't want teenagers to go out and actually play around with actually right. like using the names of real deities because she didn't want them to right. be messing around with powers that they shouldn't. Also mm-hmm. appropriation. Yeah, which I thought was pretty interesting because I was like, Manon, which is apparently a, a diminutive for the name Marie. I, I was like, I don't know who Manon is. Um, can we go back to Alistair Crawley real quick? Yes. Absolutely. Um, so the first time Always. I heard that name was because Chris made me read stuff. That was the first <laughs> oh? thing you heard about Aleister Crowley? That yes. Really? Because yes. of uh, Arkham Asylum? Because of reading Arkham Yep, Chris made me read Arkham Asylum. And that was the first time that I came across that business. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, I just thought that was an interesting um, overlap in my life. Tie in. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I definitely did a presentation on Aleister Crawley in college because I was that kid. (laughs) Oh, boy. I was and remain that kid, and that's why I'm a professor now. And blessed be. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think what we can all agree is that the girls quickly forget the rule of three, right? Immediately. Yes. Which is also an Aleister Crawley thing, apparently. (laughs) And everybody knows the rule of three, right? the threefold law if you if you fuck up it'll come back to you times three <laughs> yeah and they they uh they immediately start doing things for selfish purposes and immediately starts coming back to them times three do we feel bad that Marsha brady's hair falls out i mean is that Not even a little bit no. well also initially the spell that rochelle wants when they're sitting in that circle she doesn't ask for any harm to be done to laura lizzie she says that she wants to be able to like have more love for herself and like oh. tolerate what she say like racist pieces of shit like Laura Lizzie. Yeah. She doesn't actually ask for her to be harmed. That's actually mm-hmm. Sarah doing. That's that. a good point. Yeah. And the Sarah specifically Sarah's spell was specifically only if she did something. If she didn't right. do any more things, nothing was going to happen to her. It was a protection spell. That's a good so, point. No I need to rethink everything now. I'm going to come over here. <laughs> i feel like the movie relies too much on this trope of sarah being this natural perfect witch Mm, and they don't actually give her any kind of there's no accountability for her actions in all these things right um aside from chris and we'll we'll get to that in a little bit we'll get to that now (laughs) okay good let's do it yeah let's do go yeah she uh she 
so, uh, you know, Bonnie wants her scars healed. Rochelle wants to be more tolerant. Patience. Of, she wants. She wants patience. She wants to be. She wants to be able to be more tolerant of racist pieces of shits. And I'm like, I, you, no, that's okay, Rochelle. Yeah, you don't have to do that. Yeah, you can use necessary. magic to. You can use magic to fight racists. Yeah, and also Sarah. Speaking of things that you don't have to do. <laughs> Sarah's like, I want to love myself and, and accept other, other people's love. And also, I want Krista like me. <laughs> and I'm like, I had you at first, but then you put his, his picture there. And I'm like, what? And this is one of the yeah, I don't understand why she, she get wants... a picture of him. <laughs> Where did this come from? Right? <laughs> and why like, does like she a, want him? Montage? This is 1996. This is not an era of everyone having a camera in their pocket at all times. Maybe it's part babbling. of their, their montage to um, Love Spit Love covering morrissey they had did, took some like spooky fit photo like spy photos or something but it's like face on like he's looking directly into the camera and smiling so she okay got, she like broke into his house and stole that out of a frame or something. worse things can be stolen out of a house <laughs> fair fair i'm it, so um, glad this is the element of the movie that the craft legacy took most heavily from <laughs> 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 I think um, I would rather someone steal like my electronics and just right? use them for normal purposes. Than Imagine how creeped out you would pictures. be, right? How creepy would it be if nothing was missing but a picture out of the frame? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that. Oof. There's that no, there is no reason for that except witchcraft. <laughs> and so, yeah, Sarah being into Chris is the most mind-boggling element of this movie. <laughs> right. Like all the sharks, fine. You know, fancy <laughs> <laughs> walking on water. It is totally fine. Yeah, her like, being into him is the most outlandish, unbelievable element of this entire film. I think the yeah. only thing we can assume is that with her magic power, she saw who he would become in the future, which was Skeet Ulrich from Riverdale. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's get to let's get to Nancy walking on water. So you know they they start to have consequences for their spells. So they do their spells and they start getting what they want. You know, Marsh Brady's hair falls out and Bonnie's scars just come right off. And Nancy's uh, stepdad has a heart attack and dies and leaves her and her mom wealthy. But it still doesn't work out quite the way they want because Nancy's mom is still an alcoholic, just a rich alcoholic. I love However, Nancy, like in the ambulance, just looking at her stepdad having a heart attack, just going full on like Ivan Drago. If he dies, he dies. <laughs> so what they get from the the pension plan is one hundred and seventy five thousand dollars. Big bucks. And so nineteen ninety six money, whatever. In nineteen ninety six money, like I'm gonna say. $200,000? They get a high-rise apartment in LA and the jukebox. That's uh, only playing Connie Francis. Only playing Connie Francis. And yeah. one and, couch. And Nancy's car, too, right? Yeah. Oh, and Nancy's car. Yeah. I got some math for you. 175000 in 1995 is worth $298,819.39 in 2020 bucks. Okay, that's, a, that, that's a... All right. Still not enough for a high-rise, though. So. Yeah, <laughs> right? In LA. Yeah, there's no way. Like, not even with the housing market inflation as it is today. It's, this is this is Friends real estate prices. <laughs> I mean, Friends, Cosby Show. What else had unreal? What else gave me unrealistic expectations of what Seinfeld? I didn't watch any, that. Everything show. that takes oh, place Full in, House. In this New is all the TV. Oh yeah, Full House. That was ridiculous. Oh yeah, this there is were... one one blue collar like. 
workers getting like a whole three no four bedroom two-story house right. is that yeah. the simpsons yeah yeah <laughs> all of that scene of nancy and her mom smoking together in the trailer was that was that was fantastic good. yeah so it's uh, and then we get to the beach which was definitely shot at night they definitely did not film this beach footage during the day and then slap a blue filter on top of it. Some scenes were at night, like when all of the the flashing was happening. So apparently, looking at uh, behind-the-scenes stuff about this, this took forever to film because every time they started summoning Manal, the place they were at so, like started flooding and wa- and uh, rain Uh-oh. and started going through very quickly. <laughs> so they kept having to uh, go through and refilm it. You know when you accidentally do so, so well, fake summoning somebody that you actually summon somebody? That's funny because that was a beach at Malibu. Is that the plot to a horror movie where people are filming a horror movie and then accidentally really summon a real monster while 100%. filming a horror movie? <laughs> That would be amazing. Yes. Can we do that movie? Can we like, do that an episode on that, whatever one that is? Yes, we'll find it. It exists. There's no way it doesn't. The host. By Stephanie Meyer? The one, the, the, the Zoom <laughs> one. We could do that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. I, 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 uh, I'm Shutter this year. Steens actually has asked about doing the host at some point. So. I thought you meant the Bong Joon-ho movie. <laughs> Got it. Oh, yeah. Well, there's that, too. Um, um, I'm sad we weren't wrong in the same way this time, Ben. Right? <laughs> Let's be honest, we're never going to top that Mandy Patinkin show. That's just perfect. Never. Now, now we, did, uh, we did mention that, that Sarah's thing was wanting Chris to like her, and Chris is overshooting that a little bit. And he's got a weird obsessive love that no one can help him. He's, he's showing that, up outside of her window at night. Very that cute. That scene about his is, mom and a puppy was actually kind of precious. That but. scene was precious, and it really was misplaced with everything else about him, because it really was funny and sweet, and I was like, no, I don't want to feel these things about you. You're going to be horrible in a second. That scene but, was written for Timmy from the Craft uh, Legacy. Right? Right. Uh, we also get Lizzie explicitly asking, what did she do to deserve this? It's racism. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah did they, racism. you did a, did a few racisms. Yeah. <laughs> so they go to the beach, they invoke the spirit of Manon, uh, Nancy kills a bunch of sharks, and then goes power mad, walks on water, and then things spiral out of control from there. Now, this really is where we see the real hero of the movie, the props department in charge of animals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it looks like they raided an entire aquarium. I think Why? they were fake sharks. I hope so. Otherwise, they're just on the phone with like, get me every Black Mountain Market fish dealer you can find. (laughs) Why did Mano want her to have sharks? Just out of curiosity. She said it was gifts, but why? Well, you see, um, we're going to have absolutely no reason for that. (laughs) Okay, okay, good. I I assume she just like really electrocuted the water a whole lot and then they just washed up. Yeah, she like, said they were yeah. gifts. Well, goes, like the gift of electricity. <laughs> okay. Does it have, like, you put more thought into this than the writers. I need to know if it's in the script. It's like, and then Nancy kills just like a fuck ton of sharks. I would love to see the scene of her just killing sharks. They were supposed to be her pets, but like Manon just doesn't understand how sharks work. So <laughs> yeah. like, here, have He's some like, sharks. Have... Oh shit, they died. So the very next <laughs> thing that happens after that <laughs> is uh, Nancy is, is this the scene where she's changing lights and they're like driving through and yeah. she's like, 
Watch, I can do whatever I want. Oof, I changed the lights. Uh, well, right? yeah, the light isn't going to be green. I always play that in hackers. Driving through downtown well. in the middle of the night, I gotta say. <laughs> we start to see their spells go out of control. Uh, Chris tries to rape Sarah. And oh, I guess the implication here is that she made him do it. That part <laughs> is the worst part of the movie. Oh my yes. gosh. Yes. She. I- that bad. movie implies she literally asked for it. And ah! Yeah, bad movie. Bad. <laughs> right? Bad, bad movie. movie. Spray bad. the movie. <laughs> this scene is so bad in so many ways, including the fact that Chris jumps out of the car and then closes the door behind him after not having opened the door to get out. <laughs> oh, just the, the way the cut is done. Or yeah, Sarah gets wrong. out of the door and walks around the car. <laughs> Chris jumps out of the car over the door, and then there's a cut, and Chris closes the door. <laughs> I didn't notice that. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm a fan of all the scenes in this movie of Sarah in cars with the wind not blowing through her hair. <laughs> yes! This is real. That's the magic, though. So then Nancy decides to go out and deal with Chris by changing herself to look like Sarah so that she can have sex with him? You know, Fighting as sexual you assault do? sexual assault? I... He sucks. We know that he sucks before the spell, but is this a thing he would have done without the spell? Like, we don't know how capable, culpable he is in this I mean, at that all. really is the huge problem with the right. movie. Kind right. of blaming Sarah for it. Right, they blame Sarah for it, but then get revenge on him for it with never clarifying to what degree he's responsible for it. That's I, all just really gross. How much of it's revenge depends on how deep you buy into Nancy having unrequited feelings for Sarah and that interpretation of the film. If unrequited was- feelings for Sarah or unrequited feelings for Chris? Both. Yes. Yes, yes. That is the best version of this. <laughs> yeah. Nancy is, ta- is making like jokes about yeah. the other team. Yeah, she does several times in this movie. But she's also like the most degenerate, edgy one, which is also not great. No, it's... Basically, this movie summed up is, and also that was not great. Nancy walked out the door like she was going to go murder her girlfriend's assaulter. Right? And then was like, I think I'll have sex with him instead. That'll teach him. I think it wasn't an instead thing. I think it was like part of the plan. Right, and then. It's it's unclear because then Sarah shows up and it's like, well, I guess I'll kill him instead. I don't know. It was a a yes and situation. It was a like sex then murder situation, I think. She wanted to fuck with him. And fuck him. so much going on with Nancy being like, I'm going to become Sarah and then sexually assault her sexual assaulter. Who maybe isn't responsible for that even. This is a... I'm definitely not a doctorate in psychology. <laughs> I sure as fuck am not qualified to untangle this mind fucking you know, in my shape or form. It hasn't come up in any of my therapy practice yet. <laughs> I will say that Nan, like, Fruza Balk here, like, especially, I mean, this whole movie, she's killing it. She's just like, you know. With that Harley oh. Finn smile she's got. My gosh. Yeah. Feruza Balk is incredible. She is beyond electric. To, like anytime Nancy is on screen, you cannot take your eyes off that character. She is this movie. And yet, at many times, she feels like she's in a fully different movie than anyone else. Like she's right. the only one giving that type of performance, which makes it so wild to watch. Like every other wooden scene that happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, she is absolutely the Eddie Redmayne and Jupiter ascending of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> also so a person with a Harley Quinn movie. smile. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
I think she should. I think she should just be the Joker, straight up. Make for like, okay, okay, yes. This Joker. is the only Joker movie I ever want to see again in my life. <laughs> I will watch that. This is good shit. This is some good shit right here. Occasionally, I'm willing to see the Joker Harley Quinn thing revisited. Because only occasion. If I'm yeah. remembering the movie, it really she really doesn't get full on like absolute breakdown murdery until she's rejected by Sarah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really the Sarah Nancy dynamic, which is just so loaded, and the movie is not prepared to fully explore. Well, yeah. she was kind of breakdown murdery when she killed her stepdad. That one felt like more it so, made sense in the context. I feel like a lot right. more than any of her later actions do. Yeah, yeah something something I didn't bring up before is it. Nancy is clearly a victim of a lot of different traumas and so her responses you know don't make sense to normal folks but definitely like she responds out of like fear and anger and only knows revenge is the way to get back like you know she's she's learning witchcraft and her immediate response is i need to get all the power there's, not like oh i'd like a nice house it's like no i would like this person out of my life there's I, definitely it feels like that just how little she was given a chance just by life to emotionally develop. And there's so Mm -hmm. many self-defeating, self-sabotaging behaviors, like, you know, like pushing away the people she wants, like to be closest to, like needing to not to like to control people to keep them from leaving her. Establishing power dynamics. Yeah. Like interpreting like minor slights as huge personal betrayals. Like, oh God, I just feel so bad for this character and how much a product of trauma she so clearly is. And it makes it that much worse that our main character is, she's lost her mom, but is otherwise has a pretty decent life, is like pretty happy and then gets to have this one up her moment that feels gross. Like Sarah is is easily the most boring character of this coven. It's a real Buffy faith. Kind of. Uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna bring it back to that, but again, hi TJ. <laughs> hi TJ, I love you. Yeah, where does that leave us? Oh, Nancy the- magic Chris out a window, yep. and yep. then Chris dies. Sarah's the only person who feels bad about it. Um, yeah, and she says to her reason. dad, "He was a good guy." <laughs> Deep down, I believe it. That was like Sarah. <laughs> I don't understand her lasting attraction to Chris. I mean, I I understand feeling bad for him that he got pushed out of a window and killed after being mind altered and then messed with. But deep down, he was a good guy. I wonder if it's also some cognitive. I mean, this is me reading far beyond what the (laughs) director probably had in mind, but like cognitive dissonance of her like well i cast this spell and like so i should love him and oh could have been i like that like like she had to make it she had to make it worth it Mm -hmm. like yeah yeah, he he, my spell was gonna save him he was gonna be a better guy yeah because of me sarah that's the sunk cost fallacy (laughs) (laughs) you know what's once you've cast a spell on a guy, it's really hard to shake loose of them. I like I like that multiple of us added. I think he was a good guy underneath it all. Mm, was he? In our notes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah 100%. Well, mine was, no, he was not. No evidence of this. Yeah. He is really lovely. <laughs> but like, it's, not- it's all of it for him. Like, there is nothing underneath it all. It's just more of it. Right. <laughs> there's, there's just yeah. there's, there's no tootsie rope in the center of this asshole <laughs> like, <He is> just <laughs> a okay so i'll change the lyrics there's really nothing underneath it all okay so sarah decides you know what nancy 
you're out of control. It's time out for you. Um, <laughs> and Nancy, Bonnie, and Rochelle turn on Sarah and they're threatening her. And Sarah's like, I gotta go to the magic shop. This is really where there's a deleted scene that really should is not there? have been deleted. Yeah, and it's a whole scene where Sarah first goes to uh, Bonnie and Rochelle and Rochelle and is trying to convince them to join her in binding Nancy. And mm -hmm. they're also like really worried about Nancy and Nancy getting out of control. Mm -hmm. And then Nancy shows up and just does like all of the psychological manipulation and hits all of like the most abusive, painful buttons to like keep Bonnie and Rochelle like under oh, her thumb. You know, what makes so much more sense. Much more sense. Oh my God. That, that would absolutely make sense. Yeah. Than yes. them just being on her side for no reason. Yeah, it's a pretty vital scene that I really wish they hadn't deleted. Yeah. So Sarah goes to the magic shop um, where the witch reveals that Sarah's mom was a witch or was a natural witch, I suppose, like a white sure. light good witch and uh, says that she can if help we're doing her. music, I feel like we've got to do, you make me feel like a natural witch. Witch. <laughs> And then Jeremy had this really interesting observation when we were talking about it last night. And um, what was my really interesting observation? Well, Jeremy was observing uh, where the store owner was like, I can help you and we can do it together. And then Nancy shows up and Sarah's like, ah! Nancy doesn't even show up. Nancy has like she a glamour kind of, of fire. And Sarah's yeah. like, no, I have to run away to my house where Nancy knows where it is and can definitely right? follow me. And I have no backup. This like, was definitely one of the few instances of horror movie logic showing up in this movie of like, run away from the safe place. Let's just do that. Yeah, I also, I mean, I remember this movie and, and Jeremy had a con and I had a conversation on here uh, about it where like everything about this magic shop is like all, you know, like rustic, you know, it's basically like old bookshop aesthetic. And then you go to the back room and <laughs> apparently it's supposed behind to behind the red curtain to, yeah behind the red curtain this mysterious red curtain that's like you know uh, um referred to earlier in the movie and it's like the secret room and apparently it was supposed to be a garden uh -huh. but it was cut so now it's like a rave right? it's like what if pentagram but neon i do remember when we finally get to like the big reveal of what it is and it's just a pentagram on a cell phone like is this the best use of that space <laughs> right. Well, and I also have a note that is, you know, this magic shop is way too sparse. Yeah. Yeah. There's <laughs> so little in it. We have a shop in here in Forestville called the Lucky Mojo Curio Company. It doesn't have any signage. You have to like know where it is. But you walk through this garden and you get to this house, which is a store. There's all this like like hoodoo st stuff in there. All sorts of like very diverse women there. But they like they have women there that are doing spells and they have just like, you know, shoulder to shoulder bookshelves and cubbies full of like badger claws and shit. So like, when are we going? If you come to Cal if you come visit amazing. me in Northern California, I will one hundred percent take you there because it is so cool. I am I sounds amazing. Anyway, so um, that's my little nudge up my glasses about the magic shop. It um, needs more stuff, and which is not destroyed in the glamour that Nancy says. Sarah tries to call down the corners and invoke Manon to sort of counter counter Nancy's Manon at the shop with Lirio, and then she like you know cheeses it the second that. Um, so do they not need four so witches? The, the obviously fake fire comes through. 
Because yeah. I thought the whole thing was that they needed four witches, but no, apparently just one inexperienced witch and one witch shop owner will do. Well, she's I a think, natural witch. I think the original script had alluded to only Sarah having power, so I think fragments of that remain. Like, yeah. they're kind of like Nancy and Bonnie and Rochelle are kind of leeching off of her powers. I but see. Not quite canon. It's amazing how many things that originally existed made this make more sense. Right? <laughs> All the pieces we could yeah, put Yeah, you mean like Rochelle's parents? The and only time we see Rochelle's house is when Sarah goes to her to ask for help. That's right. We don't see her parents. And only Rochelle lives there because mm-hmm. there is only one black person ever. <laughs> in the only world one black person movie. in LA. Well, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that more in yeah. the, how this movie deals with race section of this. Yes. Um, <laughs> Looking uh, forward to it. There's really not a lot left to this movie. Um, So Sarah runs home, uh, finds it empty. Uh, Nancy uh, makes her believe that they've killed her parents. And uh, as Jeremy writes, the house fills up with snakes and shit. That's a John John Wick premise, like supernatural John Wick, like witches have killed your dad. Are you a bad (laughs) enough dude to avenge him? Yeah, so Nancy and the others are going to kill Sarah now. Uh, They're floating around in, in her living room. Nancy slits Sarah's wrists. Uh, as Emily's noted, not the right way. Sort of goes upstairs to lie down and chant for a while, I guess. <laughs> you know, sometimes um, also, you gotta do that. I'm I guess saying. Nancy assumes she's just going up there to die. Um, <laughs> However... she doesn't come back, she's like, hey, guys, can you go check on her and make sure that she's dying good? Also, um, if you haven't seen the craft... However many snakes you think are in this scene, triple that, and then you have an idea of about half as many snakes are in this scene. I decided it would be fun to watch this movie in the dark with lit lit candles while eating dinner. And I I forgot it was great. It was honestly the best choice I could ever make until I got to this scene and I was like, oh, it's very hard to eat with the sound of slithering in your ears. (laughs) These movies have the loudest cockroaches that would turn you off. I didn't even get that far. And then there were the worm squirm sounds. I was like, you know, there's a lot of noise happening right now that's not jiving with the meal plan. There are more snakes in the craft. Then there are snakes on a plane. There are <laughs> way more. There are more snakes in the crap than I've ever seen in any movie ever. Yeah, and I, I was reading, uh, Emily sent out an article where they were talking about going back to the various places that the craft was filmed and uh, how one of the location scout guys was like, yeah, the guys brought a lot of snakes out here for these scenes and they did not leave with as many snakes as they came with. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> guys, the worst scenario. There is a, a chance not there zero chance too. that the craft permanently altered California's ecosystem. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Can you there's plenty of like California rat snakes in there, but they decided to drop in some pythons and shit in there. Can you like, imagine? Pythons are not, not native to this, this area. Once again, that beleaguered prop guy just going like, look, I got a snake guy. Don't ask me where he gets them from, but I got a guy. <laughs> but imagine you're that guy who's the handler and you're like, okay, I have Mo, I have Larry. I don't know why that's their names, but it is. And then Clearly you're like... <laughs> You're like, oh shit. <laughs> we had five more snakes. I swear we brought all of them. Well, when they're on top of each other, it's really hard to keep count. Right. So I thought, <laughs> I thought I we had all of they, them. I do not believe they counted how many snakes they went in with or how many snakes they left with. That was the problem. Huh? They're like, we're, we're reasonably sure we have all of them. Thanks for this going back to the snakes. This is definitely like an eyeball in a job. <laughs> they just went down to Ron's house of snakes. How- 
How many of those were real? Was, was any of it fake? I have questions. There were Apparently some they were all real. rubber snakes no. coming up uh, down from the gazebo, which is or like the oh, arbor or whatever. No. I don't you like know it was that. fake though Sarah in those scenes she didn't want to be around the rats <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently she was cool with the snakes the rats the rats that had to fall on her head she was oh. not okay with them well, honestly I get that they made yeah. a stunt double do it though have you so. seen, like, I can, I can, I can handle I feel like I can handle the snakes and then I'd nope <laughs> the fuck out for the rat to and she lays down the chant for a while thank you uh, Nancy sends Rochelle and Bonnie to henchmen their way upstairs and <laughs> make sure that she's properly dead uh <laughs> She chants a spell where Rochelle and Bonnie see themselves in the mirror and like, look at what uh, you've become. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah, Rochelle's hair is falling out and That's Bonnie cool. is getting scars everywhere. And they're like, oh no, we done fucked up, guys. <laughs> this is one of my the sins of just look healing at the sources. You know, like they're they're literally just just take a long look at yourself <laughs> in the mirror and they uh, again. These characters' great sins were trying to heal their chronic pain and yeah. not deal with racism. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like, I remember earlier in the car when when Sarah accuses Bonnie of being a narcissist when there is absolutely no indication that she acts in such a manner. No, Sarah could fuck because all the way off in that scene. Yep. Yeah, because she because Bonnie hit on one guy. As far as we can tell, she told one guy he had a nice butt, and now she's a narcissist. Because heaven forbid a woman own her agency in this movie. Okay, right? I, I know it's interested in different, Bonnie and not Sarah. But right? as someone who like used to have a lot of dysphoria and didn't know how to present their body and then figure that shit out, it's a really great feeling. Stop fucking raining on Bonnie's parade. 100%. This is like the way, like this movie doesn't get that it's commenting on this, which is the problem, but this is mm -hmm. the way women are treated. At, yeah, like look that. at Sasha Obama right now. She's out there looking sexy, living her best life. And then there are people all over the internet who just want to talk right. crap about what she's wearing and how she's wearing it and what her posture looks like. And yeah, this movie is not smart enough to comment on this situation that it created. Because but it's it, trying to be. But that's yeah. like the whole. It kind of lands is... on that she's wrong, though. Is the problem. right? Yeah, it's like the movie gets it wrong. It's like they're trying to say all of this stuff about how girls are not given power these girls are having to take power because they do not have power in society but then <laughs> the movie goes but when you give girls power over their own bodies look at them they start commenting on boys butts we can't have that and then they need to be punished yes Ugh, and we're gonna punish them i i always think about like that scene where um old girl's hair falls out and then Rochelle like looks at herself in the mirror and she's all like looking ugly and stuff. And it's like, look at you. Look at what you did to this other poor little blondie. This poor, I always think of, this poor racist. Yeah. I always right. think of that old lady, uh, that, that video, that news story of the old lady who says, you think I'm supposed to feel sorry for that bitch? I don't. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't mm -hmm. feel sorry for her. greatly overestimates our sympathy for that character. Yeah, like yeah. black women in America have a lot of hair issues, like period, already. And <laughs> I'm supposed to, I don't. I don't feel sorry for her. That's all of a great her example hair. of white woman tears. Yeah. Yeah. That yes. and the, crying in the shower. That and the fact <laughs> that they act like being bald headed is like the worst right. punishment that could ever happen to anyone. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, like, I'm sure yeah, it would be horrific to 
lose all of your hair at once for no reason, unexplained, but being bald is not the punishment that the movie seems to uh, think it is. Oh no, right. I guess you gotta go be Ayanna Presley now. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's every everybody, every girl with alopecia is watching this like, okay, is she bald? Okay, you know. Um, it's trying to have its cake and eat it too. Like, let's yep. comment on these things, but still punish them for these things. It's yeah. cabin in the woodsing. I it will now call it. Mm, <laughs> feels that's that, pretty mm, apropos, yeah. It yeah. definitely feels that way of like, it wants to be forgiven for just admitting there's I'm like racism's bad but we shouldn't judge the racist too harshly though well it's it's this idea that you have to be above your attackers yes you're supposed to always be above your attackers and you're supposed to always be magnanimous and kind and better than them it's this idea of you know going high when other people go low and i'm tired nope yes politics the movie you know, I, um, I do. I appreciate that these uh, old white men who knew nothing about Wiccan brought in a consultant mm-hmm. to come in to talk about Wiccan. Uh, I missed the line where they had a racial consultant on this script, though, because these old <laughs> these old white men do not seem equipped to talk about race either, and they just they just go right for it. I mean, they tried. There's, mean, and to this, be fair, it, when I was a when I watched this. It was more representation that I had in a lot of the not specifically black pop culture that I was interested in. Rachel True in this movie is one of the reasons I I do practice witchcraft. I love her. I dressed up for her Halloween. (laughs) She saw the post and liked it and then I cried. Oh, oh my god! That's so fantastic. Rochelle also is also part of my ongoing quest to find any scrap of Jewish representation in a mm-hmm. horror just because Rachel True herself is Jewish. Rochelle's last name is Zimmerman's kind of typical Jewish name. So I was starting to get really excited and then I remembered that the whole thing takes place at the Catholic school and I just got deflated all over oh, yeah. again. Mm-hmm. There could have been yeah, Jewish kids can go to Catholic. Catholic school. She could have had so many complexities in her storyline though yeah. had they addressed and they her race it. and her religion. And if, we, if we'd happen. seen her family at all. Also a uh, private school and somehow Nancy goes there. Well, uh, she probably Despite Nancy's entire thing. For mm. what? Well, you can get <laughs> archive scholarships to private schools. They're right, but they Sh- require... Jeremy's like slamming down on Nancy. I know, right? But, like, we don't know that listen, she isn't good at school. Do is talk shit yeah. about Nancy. We don't know. You're just assuming she's That's bad at school because do. she has an attitude, but she might actually be great at school. We don't to know. Me, was Maybe I'm she sure, has an attitude I'm because sure she's, she's bored. great with authority. Like, <laughs> she definitely is great friends with all of her teachers. Yeah. I mean, to me, Maybe she's she is, friends with her English teacher. She did say she loves a woman that in uniform. Yes, she did yes, say as that. The, as as that. I mean, the contradiction to I me for Nancy say. was living in the trailer park and yet seeming to have a new custom tailored designer outfit. Every <laughs> <day>. <laughs> yeah, that that is fair. I guess leather jackets were really cheap in the nineties. Is all <laughs> I can assume. Like Nancy, uh, Nancy's fashion is so, so fucking on point in this movie. Oh uh, her her outfit to go get revenge on Chris was the best outfit. Oh my in the god, yeah, that was a great outfit. So good. All right, what an um, absolute so- style icon. Let's let's wrap this up. Uh, let's wrap this movie up because we're almost at the end. Um, so they get spooked by their reflections in the mirror. Sarah invokes Manon, who he- heals her wounds and gives her power. And when Nancy shows up, Sarah says, Manon is pissed 
that she abused the powers that he gave, which is just a really interesting gender construct, isn't mm-hmm. it? Like mm-hmm. you know, he trusted her with these powers and now he's pissed and he sent his other bitch to come and tell her that. I mean, oh, we so love like, a movie that's all about to... women that is the basis of it is a man's power. Yes. Oh, so Even though men are supposed to be the playing field that goodness and badness play on, you know, like Manon is supposed to be like yeah, transcend. Yeah, talk about how that was the wildest metaphor. <laughs> yeah. Not but... your rolling wheels. He's the highway, okay? Uh, <laughs> like, what was Nancy supposed to do with those powers then? She explicitly requested and got them asking to do whatever the fuck she wanted. She did exactly. not read the demon lawyer's fine print on what <laughs> was and was not allowed. So I guess we know who Manoa is. Demon lawyer! That we yep. have a name, finally! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they, they have a magic fight. Uh, they, throw around, they, they throw each other around, throw a lot of wind. They roll back and forth and scream at each other a bit. Sarah, I guess, gets the better of Nancy and strips her of her magic powers. And then we, we have a jump forward. The, I guess the, the future of this movie, the present of this movie, whatever. Rochelle and Bonnie show up and are like, hey, so Sarah, we don't have any powers. We were just wondering like maybe if you had powers. <laughs> you remember how we tried to kill you? That was all JK, JK. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about all oh, that. Well. Our bad for the whole attempted homicide. We can put this behind us though, right? <laughs> Call the corners, you know. Sarah's like, I don't know. I I haven't checked. And they're like, she definitely doesn't have powers. And Sarah's like, oh, I'm going to drop a tree next to you guys. Just so you know. (laughs) Not to fuck with me. Uh, Because you you might end up like Nancy. How Nancy ends up is tied up in a mental institution (laughs) where she's strapped to a bed, uh, yelling at everybody about how she used to be a witch and have powers. But I guess she has lost her mind because she thinks she's currently flying. Uh, I just wrote, uh, my note here was the biggest oof. Like, that's the only yeah. thing. My, my headcanon is that it's the same mental hot, is that it's eventually where Amanda Seyfried gets That's, to. Ben, I had the exact same note. <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe, maybe uh, Amanda Seyfried could break her out too. And they go kill oh, the yeah. band. They'll go kill the band together. Low shoulder just gets decimated. Uh, <laughs> And so ends the the Craft franchise until the Craft Legacy, the best New Mutants movie of 2020. <laughs> Is it? Oh, of 2020. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's get to our questions here now that Oof. we've wrapped up the movie. Uh, let's touch briefly on the race stuff because I think we've covered a lot of that already. The one big thing that I, I said I'd wanted to talk about that uh, we didn't really talk about yet is that uh, Rochelle is a black character that only exists when there are white people around. Um, She doesn't have a family. She doesn't have a background other than racism. She doesn't have a like inner life uh, outside of Mm -hmm. them. And it's really problematic. And a thing that happens a lot in like movies and comic books and other media like this, that like she just doesn't have a world beyond her white friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much the extent of it. Yep. Yeah, I don't have anything to add to that. Yeah, apparently the in some draft of the script, uh, Rochelle had family, and their thing was that they were boring. Um, yeah. okay. So Fucking... they got cut because <laughs> Charming. it was boring. I would love Next. to see Rochelle's boring-ass family. I know, yeah. it'd be cute. Yeah, actually. I suppose it's a good thing that I can now look back in 2020 and say in 1996, this movie could have done better uh, depicting a Black character. But at the time, this was like, this was what I had, you yeah. know, other than also, things that were specifically for Black people. This was one of the best 
like main character representations of black people. Okay, let's talk about how gay this movie is, guys. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. Can, we, can we go back to Rochelle for just a second? Okay, sure. Yes. Um, yeah. It's also pretty important that in 1996, she had natural hair. And not yes. yes. Hair. And yeah. 100%. And she was brown skinned. Mm-hmm. She was not, you know, a Lisa Bonet. <laughs> she, mm-hmm. Right. So how does the movie deal with uh, mental illness, mental health? Uh, wait, we haven't health? talked about the gay yet, have we? we oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. You gay. said, how gay is this movie? I yeah. am not a little bit attracted to Feruza Balk. I'm not, not going to lie. So. Who is yeah. not attracted to Feruza Balk? <laughs> in, in my notes <laughs> in here, it says, is it impossible? For, is it possible for an entire movie to be in the closet? Yes. Yeah. A hundred percent. This movie yeah. is in the closet. It's this, yeah. This movie has a lot going on that it doesn't want to deal with. hundred uh, percent. Nancy and Sarah, for sure. Chris's two best friends want to fuck each other. I'm sorry. They do. Let me just say. Don't be sorry. They do. <laughs> they do. Nancy and they Sarah look lovingly at each other. Like, yeah. That Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead <laughs> of they are, the craft. They are <laughs> fucking. That is why they're barely in the movie. They're busy fucking. <laughs> And apparently who, never, I, I don't want to spoil anything. No, no, we've talked. Thank God. No, I was talking about Craft Legacy. Oh, okay. Uh, I thought you were okay. talking about Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. I'm like, no, go ahead. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, it I says in the title, they're, they're, they're dead. Fine. Yeah, they're dead. Yeah, we're dead. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I Hamlet mean, the title did it. isn't. Hamlet did it. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. I feel, Spoilers. I feel so shook. Although, <laughs> but everything works out fine uh, for Hamlet, uh, though, right? <laughs> It's a reference to Shakespeare, so you'd be shook up. Um, but yes. Right, right. Uh, the movie isn't called Rosencrantz and Guildenstern or fucking, though, so I guess <laughs> spoil that one. All right. Definitely not. Uh, so, you, like, usually we ask if there are any LGBTQ characters, um, if so, how they're treated. None of the characters are acknowledged as being such, but I feel like Feruza Balk is playing very hard into this this concept, and the movie itself is just like, what an edgy straight girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Nope. Hanging really? out with her gal like, pals. I, I thought she was gay. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, so I, mean I thought she was bisexual. Yeah, it's like, so, not... Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Not just, I thought that the character is, but maybe the filmmakers don't know it. I thought it was written that way on purpose. Yeah, like, like it's not a positive mm-hmm. or healthy take on a gay character. No, a, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it's kind of a hard... I mean, there's really no other interpretation of the way Nancy treats Sarah. Yeah. 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 She I, specifically makes jokes about, like, you know, I love a woman in uniform or whatever, in a, in a way that didn't feel like... She and, was no, no homoing in the way that the cabin in the woods. And does. I know all yeah. cops are bastards, but also Nancy, same. While we're on Nancy, let's talk a little bit about how this movie deals with uh, class. <laughs> like everything else, badly. Yeah, I mean they they pull a trailer into the middle of L.A. and uh, place place all Nancy's stuff there. Her both her mother and her stepfather or mother's boyfriend. It's a little unclear. I feel like are both uh, alcoholic and abusive, and getting money doesn't solve any of that. At one point, can I go back real quick to how gay is this movie? Yes, the director sure. is gay. Andrew Fleming um, is gay and apparently has been with his partner for the past 23 years. So at least according to my initial research, at least as of 2018, he had been with his partner in 23 years. (laughs) I'm not sure. I'm not sure if we're, if they're still together, but I hope so. 
fascinating. Well, that this that makes this movie even more confusingly in the closet. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know if it's just just that compulsorily happening in the '90s that like yeah. they couldn't do anything with it. Apparently, like everything about this movie was edited and put together okay. so that it would get a PG-13 rating, and then it got an R anyway because it had teenagers doing witchcraft. No. <laughs> <laughs> womp womp. <laughs> Yeah, which, uh, like, apparently that was a big disappointment for the studio, which I guess, like, if they had, I don't know, maybe if it, if they had been aiming for it to be R, they would have had, uh, they would have had a little more, they would have done a little more with uh, any of this other stuff. Hmm. All right, shout out to my parents for letting me rent that for my 10th birthday. <laughs> for real. That's probably why I didn't have any friends. They, they all got in trouble after watching that movie at my house. <laughs> oh, no. So, yes. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. What was yeah, next? Was Mental important. issues? No, physical disability? Both. Shame. The health and physical disability. Yes. I feel like it handles physical disabilities very respectfully and really, again, just Nev Campbell just gives a great performance carrying that mental health. Woo! It's, you know... Thanks, thanks, thanks. They're like, Nancy was horribly abused, grew up in terrible circumstances and has a lot of trauma. She's crazy, so we're going to deal with that by strapping her down and packing her off. I was reading an interview with her about the craft legacy, no spoilers, but she talks about the director telling her to play, basically play psychotic in the craft, the original. And honestly, but like if we look at horror through a progressive lens, Mm -hmm. so much of like a lot of non like ghost monster characters who are um, antagonists are mm-hmm. definitely just victims of trauma. I, I yeah. wish I could attribute this tweet, and if somebody knows who it is, please tell me, because it's the best thing I've ever read, which was that horror treats um, the DSM, so the, the manual of diagnosis, like a D&D manual of monsters. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh damn, Ooh, that's wow. true! Yeah. That is very true. The true. way that that is accurate, though. And and this one, they gets, like, I feel like that gets very literal with the M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> right? <laughs> it does. It do- I mean, it does. They really do. And they, they, what they do here with her trauma is it could, it is in ways very subtle depiction of trauma, but then they make it the villain. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. let's I do want to say, I find Nancy a more sympathetic character in adulthood, though, in the context of trauma. You know, she is looking for a coven and a sisterhood. Mm-hmm but doesn't know what to do with it when she gets it because she's so obsessed with control and power because of her abuse. And she's she a, also talking And her coven could have helped her instead of just binding her. There's yes. no doubt about it that Nancy feels like a very tragic character. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Can we also talk like about the-, the historical nature of calling women crazy who get out of pocket? Yes. Women who are, mm-hmm. do not want to accept their role in society or who <laughs> cannot accept the role that has been placed upon them and refuse to accept what has been done to them. These women are called crazy and they have to be put away and they have to be yeah. locked away from the rest of the population or else they'll infect other women with their crazy. Right, they're either called crazy or witches. And this exactly. movie is like, why not both? Or both. <laughs> why not? Yes. Yeah, and this this movie, I feel like it's meant to reflect well on Sarah at the end, but I think especially her delivery of this, like, you don't want to wind up like Nancy, 
At which point we yeah. then see Nancy like strapped to a bed being crazy. That yeah. like that rings really, really yeah. poorly on, on Sarah. How is Sarah the only one? How is she the only one to enact revenge and not have that come back to her? Right. Yeah. Was she? Is it because? Is it because in the end she gives up all her agency to Mano? Because that's what I wondered. Like, how much of it is what she's doing? at the end or is this like some sort of sabrina rules where she's a natural witch so she doesn't have to there's a lot of her yeah there's a lot of her being good and natural that excuses a lot of her behavior in this movie that's so also i really dislike but we can talk about that later me too oh good i haven't seen it yet we need need a separate zoom call for that yeah we do oh i i call you I did not get far into Sabrina, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. For I, I guess the only question left is: Is the movie feminist? No. Okay. Next. <laughs> nah. <laughs> no. It's trying to be. It's this really movie trying. Wishes. To be. You know what it reminds me of? You know what it reminds me of? What? Okay, in West Side Story, right? Like the <laughs> 1961 West Side Story. Uh-huh. They're trying to say something really deep and really true about racism. Mm-hmm but they put white actors in brown face instead of hiring actors who are Puerto Rican and made their main character a white person, (laughs) a very light-skinned white person, right? So it's like they're trying real hard to say a thing, but they're still doing it all wrong. They compared it to Cabin in the Woods earlier. It knows what it wants to do or what it thinks it's doing, but it is not at all what it ends up doing. Right. I I give this movie slightly more credit than Cabin in the Woods. Uh, I think this movie has better intentions, I will say, than I ever have credited Joss Whedon with having. Because I think this movie is trying. It just doesn't understand the part of, like, you might actually have to understand your subject to write about them. That's my my argument about it as well. Like, I, in watching this a couple years ago with some friends who also identify as witches, and it was like a nostalgic movie for us. As we're watching it, we all just started going, yeah. Like this is written by two men who thought they knew what teenage girls would do right. with power in high school, and this is how they all behave and treat each other. And it's no nuance. It's so catty, right? Like it goes back mm-hmm. to that stereotype, which was every movie that's about teen girls for a long time, and still many now, right? Like what is mm-hmm. what is the thing they will do with power? Uh, tear each other apart. That's what they'll do. I think maybe this movie's that most like feminist like legacy, but um, Tish is like <laughs> kind of. <laughs> <laughs> what it's inspired and who it's inspired yeah. because sure. I mm-hmm. while I think this movie I don't think the feminist themes have aged well and I think it's off the mark I think you know we talked you know we've talked even here about how in all the ways it was foundational so I do think maybe it still had some like whatever credit it gets it gets in what came after or what it inspired or what doors it was able to help open up even if it itself ended up being a very flawed messenger of the layer delivery yeah. system. Yeah, that kind of goes back to what Alicia was saying about Rochelle being represented in this movie, like mm-hmm. as representative of Black culture. We we kind of learn to distill the things that we see and we can kind of filter out a lot of the negative parts. It's like, okay, we have this thing and it's problematic, but it's all we have. Yeah. So like, let's, let's pick out all the good parts and we can go with that. And in 24 years, we can have a mediocre sequel. <laughs> oh, mediocre. Oh, yeah. no. I think the film is not feminist, but it has contributed to feminism and in media and and not in the ways that a lot of movies that are strictly like anti-feminist contribute. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where, you know, you have that stark contrast. But in this case, you know, it's a movie that that tried for something and a lot of people found that in it, even though they had to project it. That's 
partially just how, uh, especially at the time, how desperate we were, and partially of the those those little steps like Rochelle that. I think- I think there's also, there's the level of feel, like there's a feeling to this movie that yes. feels empowering, even if you, when you think about it, it isn't. But like, you know, her having this guy hurt her and then she forces him to be in love with her. There's like a, there is a power, to that. there's a moment when she's walking and he's following her and that felt good for a minute to watch it, you know, like there's a, yeah. Yeah, teenage me would have loved to have been able to do something like that. Like, it's not actually good, but it feels good. And I think that's, this is, this movie is feminism cheesecake. Oh. Yeah, or straw, straw feminist. It doesn't, it doesn't give you any calories, actually, like good calories that help, but it just feels good. (laughs) Yeah. That's what it is. Feminism cheesecake. Yeah, I mean, it's a Bill Clinton progressive, right? (laughs) Didn't inhale. Yeah, it's, you know, it's trying to move things forward while at the same time, like, just not actually following through with a lot of the, the things that might be important for it to say. And yeah, it's no coincidence that it's made, you know, about the same time Bill Clinton is, is president. It's definitely more more modern than Bush or Reagan, but it's still, you know, it, it's not it's not there yet. That very very neatly leads into our finish here, uh, which I, I, where do you guys come down on this? Is this movie worth seeing? Is is it good? Should people check it out? I love this movie as a teen, despite all of its faults. Um, Its sins are many, but it's kind of like a John Hughes movie. You know, if you're going to show it to somebody, if you're going to recommend it, it should come with, like, Surgeon General warning of, (laughs) you know, this movie ain't woke. This this movie has a lot of issues. Well, on the the surface, it has, you know, there's the that lovely crust of that cheesecake feminism (laughs) that looks so delicious. You know, when you see, like, the the four of them walking down the, the yes. road and like in their goth gear and everything about that is enticing. And then the actual movie itself, you know, just is is trying to have that cheesecake and eat it too. <laughs> yeah, I would I recommend this. This movie is best expressed as gifts. Like, yes. As gif of we are the weirdos, mister, and them walking down the hallway and a couple of the like spells and it's like all right that's the best way to get this movie that is uh-huh i, I yeah. feel like if you're going for like do you want to be like film historian and see every movie that like mattered for the time period it came out in and like get like that full context just evolution of film history and genre it, it's like an important movie to see if you want like a feminist horror movie yeah. especially with like hell just the wealth of movies we've already covered here yeah. in just this podcast there's way better picks out there yes yeah, i think that's where i land too like I, I i i would like to have had nostalgia for this movie but because i didn't see it i didn't enjoy it and i don't necessarily know that it's easy to enjoy without nostalgia so if you're going for like a fun like even if cheesecake feminist movie i'm not sure you're gonna get it because the end is so not fun mm-hmm. but so i don't know i i would not generally recommend it I would only recommend it in like a series of movies about witches that would go in order from least progressive to more progressive. Oh, I love that. Um, but that also kind of oh. ties into my recommendations. I'd recommend it for the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. I think the movie was worth seeing. I think it was worth seeing, but I think, I mean, I think it was worth seeing with, you know, just keeping in mind that it is far from perfect, but uh, it definitely gives you a lot to think about. It's definitely a cultural touchstone i mean if somebody told me i've never seen the craft i'd be like oh you gotta go watch the craft i don't think i would warn them off of it and say no don't or you ain't missing much i would i would want them to watch it and think about it yeah i I think 
it's worth watching. I think it takes some very light swings at a few things that, you know, some of its contemporaries were not. It tries to do some things that other movies didn't try to do, and it doesn't do them terribly successful. But I'm... Is that, are we returning to the, is it better to be queer-baited than to not be queer-baited at all? Yes. Is it better to be queer-baited and have lost than never to have been queer-baited at all? Yes. Um, this is the question. Gildenstern or fucking... <laughs> this is the way. This is yeah. the way. Let's, so, expand, let's expand that. Is it better to have paltry representation than to have no representation at all? I mean, I, I feel yeah, like... That's, that's well said. I feel like if you made this movie today it is a bad movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. If yes. you take it in the context of 1996, this is a movie that then still a bad paved movie. the way for <laughs> yeah. other stuff. It's still if a bad movie, but it's a, a bad, bad movie. movie we enjoy. If this movie was to come out in 2020 oh my with Our Lady Peace and Sponge and like and this soundtrack, I would lose <laughs> my mind over like If this movie this came out, it would out be it would be basically 90s version of Stranger Things now. Yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> We'd yeah. be like why are they trying so hard? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it would be 90s try hard cringe. Well, oh, I that's coming! Oh my God, that's going to be next uh, next year. Next, <laughs> oh, the no. Roaring Twenties. Let me tell you. Uh, what. They're already selling nine hundred and forty dollar zip tie bracelets on. If that, <laughs> if, so it's if here. that Power Rangers movie had done better, we would already be in full nineties <laughs> nostalgia. <laughs> we, we're we're there. We're I mean we're the there. kids are there. The kids are there. Th- they're there. Yeah. I've, Craft Legacy, the one thing I will happily say about that movie without worrying about spoilers is that they say a lot of things like dope. Oh, no. And rad. Yeah, and fresh. That's like, that's a thing. And like, fresh, yeah. which were all early 90s slang. And I'm, you know, I think like, is this like, what is this do what it is? Do you current teenagers, Emily? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I do. They're, they're there. Yes, they 100%, are. 100%, yeah. And this movie actually does a good job of showing that. But, um, you know, it's just, it's it's weird to me because I thought I was terrified that this is how I sound when I'm trying to talk to the teenagers. <laughs> but they actually, you know, they still, they're bringing it back. I'm, I'm just going to, Jerry is over here cracking up that I said, do you teach current teenagers? He's asking me like, what would you teach old tiny teenagers? Good to which I just want to share teenagers. That. One of my teenagers once said, I asked them what they were listening to, and he said, man, I don't listen to nothing from this century. And another kid said, what are you listening to, man? Sea shanties or some shit? (laughs) (laughs) This whole sea shanties has been like... Oh my gosh. You know, sea shanties have become really big on TikTok, so that might be true. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I am not sure that there's like... Oh, wait. I would bet there's like new like soundcloud stars and like these really specific like soundcloud sea shanties there are because of bi pirate tiktok i'm telling you well we can definitely talk about that with the next craft um yes so any recommendations so if somebody did enjoy this movie uh any recommendations y'all yeah i have i have two so i just read this book and cannot stop talking about it but i feel like if you like the kind of dark academia part of the craft if you like the books and the you know the aesthetic I would recommend the book Deadly Education by Naomi Novak. It just came out this year. It is so good. It is 
a beautiful story that kind of, it does the thing that you would want the craft to do where the coven thing, the, you know, women supporting women thing actually happens in this book. People are more powerful when they work together. You know, women are more powerful when they work together in this book. And it's so good. It's really funny. It's very progressive. I love this book so much. The other one I would recommend is the comic Hex Wives. So if you enjoyed this, but want to see it as, you know, wives finding their power outside of their husbands who are gaslighting them, Hex Wives is an amazing comic for that. Nice. Nice. And um, a recommendation that I haven't seen this movie yet, but <laughs> it's I'm excited like, for this. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to recommend the 2019 vampire film Bit starring Nicole Maines. So I haven't seen it, but it's uh, girl gangs, vampires, and a trans main character. Ooh. So again, I haven't seen it, but it seemed, but uh, it sounds like the kind of movie that we'll probably end up covering at some point down the road. Nice. That sounds good. And then uh, in terms of a recommendation of something I have actually... <laughs> Red, uh, I am going to recommend uh, the comic Dead Man, uh, Dark Mansion of Forbidden Love, which is this very, uh, both very spooky and very romantic dead man comic where it's most, where he's mostly serving as the backdrop to this uh, gothic romance mystery. Um, if, if you're looking for movies about witches that are a little bit more progressive, it, the, the Witches of Eastwick, are that movie actually does all the things that the craft tries to do. It does not have the, uh, the, as much representation, although it does have Cher. Cher's oh, um, LGBT what? representation. Right? Yes, she is. Mean? <laughs> Cher is absolutely LGBT representation. Yes, she is. Yeah, um, and this is a movie where the the witches use their power together and, you know, ultimately achieve sisterhood. So this oh. is a wonderful movie from like 1989 or something. It was an older film. Uh, Susan Sarandon, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Cher are the coven. Why are we not already watching this movie? I know we have to we have to t- cover this one, but that one is one of my faves. Um, also, Jack Nicholson is the devil. Yes. Yeah. Also referenced <laughs> yeah, in real. this movie. The other movie I would recommend is The Love Witch, which I think mm. is from yeah that one's from 20- 2017. 2017. Thank you. Right now. Um, yeah, and that one is also kind of a an interesting meta take of on on witchcraft being a witch that this movie also tried to do, I think, but you know took itself too seriously. And the Love Witch is a really interesting one that has kind of picks up on 60s psychedelia horror, the romanticization of feminism from the 60s, and all this kind of stuff. It's it's got some a lot of great and it's a beautiful film. It has the best color. That's one of my favorites. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a good one. Allie. I've got two. They kind of span a couple different things. So my first one is Season of the Witch. It's a 1973 movie by George Romero about a woman kind of having a midlife crisis and discovering witchcraft, which sounds super empowering, but is not because it was from 1973. Um, and actually because it didn't do so well, it got rebranded as softcore porn. But it's worth watching if you're trying Whoa. to look at the context of feminism and witchcraft in horror films. And then on the other side of that is The Witch, which is the 2015 version. Um, That is The Witch stylized as two Vs instead of a W. Yes. Um, And it's beautiful. 
and the ending kind of reminds me of of the craft and how um you know they're still kind of subservient to dudes so something to talk about for a double feature if you want to have an academic discussion like we are alicia did you have anything you wanted to recommend buffy the vampire slayer (laughs) no seriously um (laughs) i do love buffy the vampire slayer like the television show it's got some issues much like this one does but i do think that it takes some of the the little buds of themes that you see in this movie and like kind of spreads them out so you know there's some interesting things to be enjoyed there um but if you are like chris and you're like i'm not doing it i'm not going back there you can't make me um actually marvel's the runaways the television series on hulu is a lot of fun actually has queer characters and teens and supernatural elements and kids versus parents and it has some issues around um you know like it's an interesting adolescent coming of age story and i really enjoyed it so it's on hulu uh it's actually on disney plus now okay because it's been grouped up with all the other marvel stuff so if you have disney plus you can watch that there's some of that in the comics as well uh which i'm a big fan of the runaway comic series uh which is currently being written by rainbow rowell and uh was started by brian kavon back in the day it's got a pretty intense pedigree of uh, people who have written it, including Joss Whedon. Don't worry, you don't have to read that arc. Um, <laughs> it's not that good. You can just jump right past the Joss Whedon stuff. The the comic series is really good as well, which is interesting because I was also going to recommend a comic which um, pulls away from some of the, the girl power elements here, but does touch back in on that occasionally as well, which is uh, Phonogram by Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey. Uh, it is a comic series about uh, people who do magic uh, via music. So they are phonomancers. It's really indie and really twee. And if if you don't like people who make obnoxious indie music references, maybe this is probably not for you because it is just packed full of obnoxious indie music references. But it's also like a lot of fun and very clever and uses magic in a different way than a lot of other uh, stuff about magic. You heard it here first. Really fun, really indie, really twee, obnoxious. <laughs> Hear me Whitley recommends. Describes my, my 2020 playlist, I think. Your Baroque That's amazing. Pop playlist. My Baroque pop and permanent wave, which I still haven't figured out what that is. <laughs> yeah, Washington. Olympia Washington indie music. Yeah. One of my top genres. Before we go, is there anything that anyone wants to plug? We want to let everybody know where we can find you online. Well, no, but then they can plug their stuff and and they can say where they are online. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> let us know where people can find you online. And, no, plug your things. And plug your things. Plug your things. Alicia, why don't you start? As no, a, I don't have as anything to plug. Time here. I don't have anything well, to plug. You have a Twitter and an Instagram. I do. I have a very boring Twitter. It is at Alicia Whitley, and it is mostly me retweeting Dion Warwick and uh, stuff <laughs> about education. Occasionally, it's you offering to fight people for me. That is. Yeah, there was that time that I was ready to get into a fight with everyone who has ever wronged you i, I love that love moment. you so much <laughs> that was my favorite Beautiful. twitter moment. offer still stands um, i should have you know that i am not a fighter i mean it, this was like an older woman i think you could oh i could take her <laughs> yeah you I could am. take her 100 yeah, percent. just move at her i'll quickly. fight <laughs> emily's like i don't know what's happening but i'll fight too. <laughs> i have a black belt emily is probably the person you want in your corner if you need uh, somebody to swing on someone else Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Aw. <laughs> this has gotten so girl power at the end. I love I it. Yeah, I know. We've made I our own coven. It's a coven. Yeah. I'm so, 100% here a feather for this. stiff as a board. 
Yes. So, <laughs> so Ali, where can people uh, request that you meet up people online? Well, you can go on my Twitter. Um, it would be the most action my Twitter usually has. That's other like than Emily. yeah, yeah, it's uh, at Megamoth. I uh, I also it's a good place to find a lot of the info on Progressively Horrified because I most of my activity on there is retweeting the PH and and also I am on Instagram at Mega underscore Moth. Have a website Megamoth.net. And I have a Patreon, which is uh, patreon.com slash megamoth. Generally anything megamoth, also on Tumblr. And uh, if you want to look at my stuff, other than this, where you find it online, I have a lot of it on Instagram and my website, which is, it's old stuff, but it's all these big goodies. Jeremy and I are working on Princeless Volume 10 right now. And we've Ooh. also worked on the, all the other, like a bunch of the other volumes before that. And I really love the way that you've illustrated me. I'm just going to put that out there. Thank you. All right. So, uh, Ali, where can people find you online? I am at Ali Mullen, A-L-L-I-E-M-U-L-L-I-N on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Twitter, I post about all of the things I'm baking. Instagram, I post my professional photography. I do brands, portraits, weddings, and I sell art prints. Nice. And uh, Chris, what about you? You can find me on Twitter at The Myth of Psyche, where I'm usually talking about books or people that I want my mutuals to fight. It, it has happened more than a few times. You could also find me and the several times mentioned TJ talking about Batman on our podcast, The Gotham Outsiders. And uh, Ben, what about you? You can find uh, my comics, including Heavenly Blues and Griffin's Galaxy's Most Wanted uh, at Comixology and in print. And my next graphic novel, A, a Renegade Rule, a queer gamer girl action comedy from Dark Horse Comics is currently available for pre-order. And you can find me online at at Ben the Con on Twitter. Nice. Uh, so I am on I am on Twitter and Instagram at jrome58. That's J R O M E five eight. I'm also at jeremywhitley.com. Currently, my ninth volume of Raven Pirate Princess is coming out, and the second book of School for Extraterrestrial Girls, uh, which is due out in June, is available for pre-order. So you can check that out online. Uh, also, by the time this comes out, we might have a collected volume of Marvel Action Chillers, uh, which should be wrapping up in the next couple of weeks here when we're recording this. As for the podcast, you can find us at on Patreon at patreon.com slash progressively horrified, where you can get all sorts of cool rewards and early access to podcasts. You could have been hearing this earlier than you are right now if you're not on Patreon. If you, you want to find us on Twitter, we're at prog horror pod, as in progressive horror podcast. Uh, our website is progressivelyhorrified.transistor.fm. And there, you can go on there and find us on every podcast thing where we would love for you to subscribe and rate and review uh, as many stars as it'll possibly let you give us. Generally, there's a cap on that. But if you can find a way to get hired, you know, go for it. Now that's, that's all for us this week. We want to thank everybody for joining us. And thank you all so much for listening. Uh, now, we will be back next week where we will be talking about the update, reboot, sequel to this. Apology. The it's <laughs> the apology tour for this uh, which is the craft legacy so join us then progressively horrified is created and produced by jeremy whitley this episode featured jeremy whitley ben Kahn, chris carey emily martin ali mullen and alicia whitley all opinions expressed by the commentators are solely their own and not intended to represent the intent or opinions of the filmmakers, nor do they represent any of the employers, institutions, 
or publishers of the commentators. Our theme music is Epic Darkness by Mario Cole 06 and was provided royalty-free from Pixabay. Contact us on Twitter at ProgHorrorPod or by email at ProgressivelyHorrified at gmail.com. Welcome to Progressive Report. Hey, <laughs> oh, I'm not taking over this one? Are you no. recording already? Take it over. Take it over. Take it over. over. It's happening. Can we? Yes. Y'all, y'all, y'all are all on your side. Y'all. Take it over. Okay. <laughs> y'all? Yes? I can we please all say at the same time, light as a feather, stiff as a board, like chant it. Okay, ready? We One, sure two, die. three. Light as a feather, stiff as a board. The answer is no. We tried it. Turns out my musical incompetence extends <laughs> even to spoken harmonies. <laughs> it's impossible to do any any harm. Do you wait? Stop. Do you remember that commercial where that woman was like, "I'm not a witch. I'm nothing you've heard." She was like running for office. No, yeah, that wasn't a commercial. That was a campaign. It was a campaign ad. ad. <laughs> she yeah. was like Michelle Bachman. No, no. it wasn't Michelle. I'm gonna look it up. Yeah. She was like, "Hi, I'm not a witch. I'm nothing you've heard." That's just what that sounds that's like. That's what a witch would say. I know that's I'm so much more frightening. That was what everyone did. That was what everyone's response. It was Christine O'Donnell. Christine yeah, O'Donnell. Was like, oh, she's yeah. a witch. So she had to make a campaign. I'd say she's not a witch, which just made everyone think she's a witch. I, I gotta say, I'm nothing you've heard before is what a villain says in a movie, too. <laughs> I'm not a witch. You've never seen like anything like me. <laughs> I feel like in certain left-leaning districts, I'm a witch would now be a winning campaign message. Yeah. Yes. Right? Yes. Okay. 